Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Friday. Usual sort of thing. You always hear people saying on radio says, well, we've made it through the week. And you always think to yourself, well, of course we have. Otherwise, we'd be dead. But we have made it through. And we have to make it through this week because we want to hear what Trump's doing over in America. We want to see what the great talent is that they've lined up for us. Will it be the Dagenham Girl Pipers? Will it be Kanye West? No, neither of those. Will it be the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Of course it will be. I don't know what they're going to be singing, though. That's been singing sort of Battle Hymn of the Republic, I suppose. I don't know what they're going to be singing. I've got no idea. Uh, the sad story in the paper today, the tearful farewell to status quo star Rick. Three wives turned up, three ex-wives. You can imagine. Do you think they chatted to each other? Probably, probably. Uh, the white faces of the Black Lives Gang fined just 300 quid for the protest that caused chaos, but at least they got fined, so for that, brilliant. Uh, David Beckham is going to be on Desert Island Discs. Hilarious. Will it be the first time he's been out without Victoria? Will he know what to say? Will he know what to do? Will he understand what the programme is? So I've got to talk for how long? Um, well, we have to do this uh, programme where you, you talk about your life. I don't victoria has got my money. He could, he could do that for most of the programme, couldn't he? I had I had millions in my account and then Victoria took some out because she's got clothing company. I've got clothing company too. Can we talk about them? I wonder how many plugs he'll be allowed to get in on the BBC. I wonder how many palms he'll have to grease so he could sort of get out there and plug his clothing line, his pants, his whiskey, Victoria's uh, fashion label. All these things have got to be done, haven't they? I mean, there's no point in going on the BBC unless you can sort of really give a plug to something. That's the whole idea of going on there. I mean, the whole idea is that you're allowed to, to sort of plug as much as you can, even though they sort of pretend. And then, hilariously, Laura Whitmore. Laura Whitmore, well-known actress, is appearing on stage. She's got a gig uh, in, a, in a play with Shane Ritchie. And uh, so she'll be on stage going, uh, she'll walk through a door and they go, oh, look, it's Margot. She'll, how are you? And that'll be it. I mean, do you think she'll be as good as Sarah Harding? Because Sarah Harding was really, really bad, <laughs> really bad. So I wonder what Laura Whitmore's going to be like. I mean, to be honest with you, it's the first gig she's had since she's uh, since she came. What did she do? Did she do Strictly or come out of the house or something? I can't remember what she did. She did Strictly. All right, shall. She did Strictly. That was good, actually. She wasn't much cop at that, was she? She didn't win that uh, programme. But there again, actually, we were all a little bit surprised when they put her on there in the first place. I mean, she was eminently available. Her agent, I think, said she's really eminently available. There's nothing else going on. But now she's going to be going on stage and touring in a, in a stage play. Isn't that good? Bought your tickets yet? You must get your tickets in. Get them while they're cheap. Oh no! Secondly, wait, wait till after the opening night. They'll they'll be cheaper, and uh, no, not for in conversation. No, she'll not be appearing on my program anytime soon. No, we only have A listers. I wouldn't put somebody on who was C. Definitely not. Um, the uh, the serial swindler who gets banged up, Ricky Whittle and the sex tape. I mean, to be honest with you, this has been around for a little while, the Ricky Whittle sex tape. I don't know why he's getting his knickers in a twist. Oh, sorry, he wasn't wearing any knickers. Oh, do beg my pardon. And he thinks that it's actually going to harm his career. No more than any other old rubbish that you've done, mate. You know, if you don't want to perform in front of a webcam, you know, and then start kicking off like a big girl at the end of it, you did it. Nobody made you do it. Mind you, there is another one as well. There's another celebrity. I'm, I'm loath to mention this one. This is somebody who's been in the West End on numerous occasions. He's, uh, he would be described as fit and buff. And um, and he's also got a sex tape out. Honestly, it's like an epidemic out there. I'm looking around here thinking, do you think there's anybody in this building who's got a sex tape out? 
I'm really hoping not, really hoping not. But uh, no, the other one who has a sex tape out, which has not hit the press, so I'll tell you in advance, is Adam Garcia. Check out Adam Garcia. He has a sex tape as well, just like Ricky Whittles. Only this time you hear Adam Garcia talking, which is slightly disturbing. Obviously, there must be loads of these coming out. I mean, frankly, it's like a who's who in show business. They've all gone... I've never made a sex tape. I mean, it's, uh, me, what, Steve, what, what, goodness, I mean, look, look at me, look at the picture of me on the website. I mean, there is obviously the possibility in the future of the Steve Allen and Nick Ferrari vest and pant collection, which we're bringing out. I mean, some of mine will be in sort of slightly smaller sizes than Nick's. Nick's could be emblazoned with the Union flag and uh, and I could have sort of, I don't know, I'm trying to think, a European flag on there or something. I think a vest and pants set. I think that makes an ideal Christmas gift for a loved one or an elderly person. I'm also thinking of having knickers with lights attached as well, which I thought could be very popular, you know, for, for people who like to go out and, you know, sort of get down with it, you know, get down with the kids. And if you've got little lights sewn into your pants, that could be a winner, couldn't it, really? I think, I think, it's, a, I think it's a brilliant idea. But no, I've never made a sex tape. Nobody's ever asked me. I've never actually been targeted by anybody online, you know, going, uh, would you like to see my Lego? I go, sorry? Actually, I've got a train set as well. Really, have you? You know, I mean, it just, nobody's ever asked because I'm deeply unattractive, you know, and if somebody's deeply unattractive, I I do this, this always works for me. I do the self-deprecating, but I go, I'm really, really unattractive. And by the way, I'm rubbish between the sheets, whereas in fact, I'm like dynamite. (laughs) Absolutely. I know. Woo! I tell you, chandelier, nothing. Top of the wardrobe, nothing. Small loincloth. Oh, that's me. I'm like that. I am Tarzan in the bedroom. I'm not really. I'm just making that up. Make yourself sound more interesting. Because sometimes people, they listen to you on the radio and they think, if you're that brilliant at radio, you've got to be brilliant at relationships. And I always go, well, I am, but I just don't want any. They're just complicated. And also it makes things expensive. If you go, I went out yesterday with, you know, Paul Smith, the newsreader. We went out for uh, for lunch and we couldn't remember who paid last time. So I like to do this. You know, you pay, I pay, we pay, they pay. And so we go to the, what do we go to? Is it called the Gourmet Burger Company? Might be called that. I don't know. It's in Richmond. And we had, you have to go and get the food, order the food yourself. They bring it to the table. But you have to go and order it. And we had two cheeseburgers, which were OK. It's the first time I've ever been in a place where they ask you how you want your burger cooked in the Gourmet Burger Company. So, they, so I, I did... Um, it was it was it was okay, but it wasn't brilliant. The food it was okay. The best thing about it was the banana milkshake. They do, yeah, right. They they do a banana milkshake, which was delicious. And it comes in the thing that they obviously whiz it up in. It's like a metal thing. But for two of us, it was we just had we didn't have starters. I never fancy. And also, I was feeling a bit full, so we just had the cheeseburger. And I didn't eat all the bun. I left the top bit of the bun because there was too much of it. And um, and um, and I had I had fat chips. Which were quite, but I didn't eat all of those. I was being really good yesterday on my on my new diet. Uh, I didn't have any alcohol for lunchtime, which was quite nice, and um, just had the uh, banana milkshake. It was delicious. I could I could drink a banana milkshake now. Do you know that gold top milk I had when I when I didn't use it all up? I left it in in one of our sister stations' fridges. Nobody's touched it. I don't know what they think it is. They're fright, frightened to touch it. I've left it in there. Nobody's touched it at all. I was going to write on it. Feel free to use it. Because it's delicious ice-cold milk. And the fridges here are particularly good. So, uh, Laura Whitmore, yeah, buy tickets for that one. 
You know, I'd buy tickets for Shane Ritchie. I'm not sure I want to buy a ticket for Laura Whitmore. Uh, Wayne Rooney driving a bright orange Bentley. He thinks it's flame. But no, it's bright orange. <laughs> like his hair, I think. Um, uh, the Brits are back on the booze. They've given up on the diets. I mean, why would you want to do diets? Diets don't work. There's no point. Uh, also, burglary is out of fashion. Fraud tops the, uh, the crime charts. And uh, 600,000... OAPs go to the supermarket to beat loneliness. Isn't that bizarre? I've never, do you know, it never crossed my mind. I, don't, I mean, I don't go to supermarkets very often. I do see OAPs in there, but I never think they're in there because they're lonely. They had to close down WH Smith's in Twickenham yesterday. We came back from lunch and the police had surrounded it. There was some elderly gentleman, very smartly dressed, who was thieving. Thieving. So they, they brought in the police car. Excuse me. You know, I really wanted that cup of coffee this morning. I'm sitting here. It's so cold out there this morning. It really is. You know, you need the Steve Allen vest and pant collection to keep yourself nice and warm. And if you've got matching vest and pants, I mean, that's, I mean, that's quite an achievement, isn't it? I used to get, when I used to finish years ago overnight, I used to go and have a sauna. You know, it was, you know chat away to people. In, not really. I, don't, I, didn't, I did go for a sauna, but I never, I never talked to people until the bloke in there one day. He said to me, he said, what do you do for a living? I said, oh, not, not really very much. He said, I recognise your voice. Oh, God. That was the last time I went to the David Lloyd Centre in the early hours of the morning for a sauna. You don't want to sit there, do you? You know, staring at the ceiling because you don't know where else to look. And, uh, and then people sort of know what you do for a living. I don't want to spoil the illusion that people have of me. You know, I could, I could have done a little show. So tell me, uh, how many times have you been in a sauna? You know, and I could do it sort of like that, like a sort of a voiceover thing. <laughs> I'm only joking. No, I did used to go. I was a member of the of the night crew at uh, David Lloyd's club up at Heston. There was only ever two of the uh, two of us in there. That was only ever two of us. We didn't uh, didn't get beyond that at all. Which I don't mind. Over in America, my son is now my daughter. My wife is becoming a man. It's a trans family. And uh, there's also a bare knuckle fighter died of cancer at the age of 82. And he's called so-and-so senior and his son's called something junior. But anyway, they've decided to freeze him in the same place that 14-year-old girl's gone. There's no uh, evidence to suggest that they could ever bring anybody back from being cryogenically frozen. There is no evidence that they're going to keep you frozen for eternity. Uh, in fact, there's no evidence of anything. You might as well just throw your money down a drain. I don't understand why people think that in the future they're going to thaw you out and they're going to cure cancer. I'm not going to be worried about you. You're still paying for it. Ridiculous. I mean, how much, how much do you go? How much clothing do you have to uh, sort of set aside? It's going to be very, honestly, very, 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 very bizarre, I think. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of things like that. Uh, Ed's Diner used to ask how you wanted your burger last time I went in. Uh, they told me health and safety regs put a stop to it, says Dave. Yeah, but you get that in a, in a restaurant. They ask you how you want your steak. They don't just say we're bringing you the steak. I mean, I'm always well done because that's, that's the way I do it. But all I want with a burger is I just want the burger. I'm not even bothered about the bun, to be honest with you, because most people don't eat it, because that's the fattening bit. And I just want some cheese on the top of it. And then they go, do you want any dressing? No, not really. Not really sort of, not sort of bothered about things like that. But it was, it was pleasant. But the best bit about it was the free water and the banana milkshake. <laughs> I like the banana milkshake. I don't know why, isn't it odd? They also did a lime milkshake. I've never heard of a lime milkshake. Wouldn't that curdle the milk, lime? I thought that. A lime milkshake. It does sound horrid. I looked at it on the menu and I thought, a lime milkshake. Banana, you can understand. Or they had salted caramel. That's quite nice, isn't it? I've got some candles at home that are salted caramel. I've only got to just sit there and sniff them and I'm quite happy. 
I could mm, sound slightly odd, I realise. But don't you do that? You know, when you buy a candle, you take the lid off and you... Because it doesn't, it doesn't smell nice. I don't want it in my place. Very classy, I am. I don't, uh, don't want anybody to mess around. But I've got these little tea lights, which are salted caramel. They smell delicious. Absolutely delicious. OK, listen, for the first time in God knows how long, I'm going to give you an accurate time check on LBC. Mainly because over in America, they're all gearing themselves up. Is it going to be Kanye West? I don't think so. Will it be Charlotte Church? I hope not. Is it going to be the Mormon Tabernacle Choir? Yes. Who else is going to be there? Some people I've never even heard of. All there to sort of do the inauguration of Trump. Uh, do we have a team there? Do we have a team there? We really do, actually. We, uh, we've got everybody, including Farage and Dale's over there. Uh, Katie Hopkins is over there. Matt Fry is over there. All they needed was Steve Allen to complete the, uh, the line-up. I could have done it completely differently, couldn't I? So here we all are. Anyway, let's go for a burger, shall we? <laughs> have done with it. It's going to be very interesting. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you. Oh, I was listening to... Um, uh, Darren, earlier on, who was that mad person he had? I just, I was climbing into the shower and I started listening to this person who sounded like he'd been given leave by Matron. What on earth was he talking about? I've never heard such racism in my entire life. It's ghastly. Ghastly, poor sad person, anyway. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, yes, we had, do you remember yesterday, um, we had the mother of the airman who's on the swinging site... Uh, and somebody wrote to me and went, no, he was on a normal dating site. No, he was on a pervy swinging site. But, of course, all the swingers on the site are now going, oh, God, why is she drawing attention to it, the mother? Uh, because this boy, Connor, put down everything he was into, which included, among other things, blindfolding, orgies, uh, threesomes. I mean, all the sort of thing you think, my God. And he was in just everything, photographs and videos and all that kind of stuff. And somebody said, you know, it's his mother knew about this. His mother knew about this and she's known about it for ages. I couldn't understand why, you know, when, when they, they went back there to sort of question it. She went, I don't have any comment to make. You think, well, and, it, and then it turned out, and I didn't know this, his mother's a police officer. Is, it, is Connor's mother a, a policewoman? Apparently so. And I was sort of, I was sort of interested in sort of, you know, why somebody that age would be... And, and then his mother went, oh, of course, the, uh, the fact that he was on this swinging site had nothing to do with his disappearance. I thought, you don't know anything. You don't even know where he is. The police don't know where he is. Nobody knows where this boy is. He's disappeared since September. I fear for the worst, as indeed I should imagine would, would most other people. But to come up with a statement like uh, that the fact he was on this site had nothing to do with his disappearance you know, is possibly the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. We don't know. That sort of, it's like saying, oh, I know where Madeleine McCann went. Nobody knows. Nobody knows where Madeleine McCann went. She just vanished into thin air. However, the story that just really got me, you know, kind of pushed as far as I could be pushed, and I've had this before, and it's another story about social workers. Social inept workers. People who should have lost their jobs ages ago about this, uh, this little girl, this little girl called Poppy Widdison. Um, oddly, Poppy Widdison, her mother was called Michaela Pike and her dealer boyfriend, drug dealer, was called John Writing. Nothing to do with Widdison. I don't know where that name comes from. All these times you read in the paper. Anyway, poor little Poppy uh, didn't get to the age of five. Social workers missed everything. Well, that's not strictly true. Social workers knew exactly that her parents were drug dealers and taking drugs. They knew exactly what was going on. This poor little girl 
was born addicted to drugs because her mother was a druggie. Uh, also, they fed her drugs. They fed her methadone, heroin. There was no chance this little girl was going to make it. I mean, I can't begin to tell you what thoughts went through my mind when I saw a picture of these, these vile people who've just been sentenced to only 13 years in prison each. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you should bring back the death penalty. This, this child, this depraved couple... When, when the man was sentenced, John writing, he went, whatever. She's, she's dead. I mean, I cannot... And you can imagine, can't you? You know, this poor little child didn't have any chance of making it to anywhere near adulthood. She had the most filthy, disgusting, depraved, sick parents who were looking after it. I can't even begin to tell you what, you know, I hope happens to them in prison. I mean, I just thought... And then... The worst thing was, this case was closed three times by social workers. The inept in the society. We all remember going back to Victoria Columbier. Again, social workers forget. They go round there. Why has she got bruises? Uh, baby P as well. You remember the Baby P case? Well, this little girl didn't stand a cat in hell's chance. These two pieces of filth. You know, I'll tell you, if they're found hanging in their cells, I'm not going to be shedding one tear. I really can't. You know, I know that the Lord God says, suffer little children to come unto me. This little girl suffered. She had no idea what was going on. You know, the I mean, she suffered drug withdrawal symptoms after birth. That's how bad it was. The social workers officially closed their files three times in the naive belief that the four-year-old was safe. What thick people are these? Where do they get them from? Is there an agency for stupid, inept people who watch children dying? We've seen it before, where, where the child has got bruises and, and batterings, and the, and the mother says, oh, they're just accident-prone. And the social workers go, oh, do you think so? I mean, it really is unbelievable. I mean, the case was closed after three months because they thought that um, she'd be safe with them. What, drug-taking dealers? What are you, stupid? Why don't they name and shame who these uh, social workers are? Why don't we name and shame them? I mean, how can they be allowed to, to get away with this? Even the Daily Mail says on the front page, why are they still in jobs? Are other children at risk with them? Because quite clearly they, they shouldn't even be allowed anywhere near children. This poor little child here, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just appalling. She suffered a massive cardiac arrest. She's four. Sorry, she was four. She was four. You know, Pike and writing fed her illicit drugs. They called Smarties to sedate her so they could have sex. She was, she was an embarrassment to them. I think you're an embarrassment to life. I really do. I mean, really, just... I read that yesterday, and I looked at the little picture. They had some pictures on the television uh, of her playing on a swing. And sort of, I was going to say happier times, but she bore, was born an addict because her mother was an addict, and they showed no remorse whatsoever. 13 years in prison. I hope they absolutely destroy you in there. I really do. You don't deserve the right to live because they're going to come out after 13 years. In fact, they probably won't even serve 13 years. That's what makes me so angry about this country. You know, we're sort of always going, oh, we need to do this and do that. We've got people serving murder and rape and paedophilia. They're out in a few years. They don't seem to bother. They don't seem to bother about it. And she's dead. She's in a box, you know, and, uh, and they're, they're alive. That's not right, is it? I tell you, I got so I, I didn't get so angry yesterday so much as just sort of desperately upset that a child who didn't have any control over her life in, ended up dead, suffering a cardiac arrest because of the filth 
that masqueraded as the people that social workers deemed were able to look after her. They hated her. They absolutely hated her. And that can't be right, can it? And all they get is 13 years each. I'd have made it ten life sentences. Killing of a child. Third God. Uh, somebody says, uh, next time try a lime milkshake. They're actually quite nice. Actually, I, I mean, I was thinking about it, but I thought lime would curdle milk. Could be wrong. Uh, it took me a while to get into the gourmet burger kitchen, but now I order a bunless burger. They replace the bun with coleslaw, says Eddie, along with an elderflower spritzer. Oh. Moving to Malta soon. Looking forward to a decent summer this year, but we'll still listen to LBC. Well, of course, if you've downloaded the LBC app, you can still listen to LBC. And I would recommend it. The radio on Malta. I mean, seriously. Awful. Absolutely awful. You need to take LBC with you. It's much, much better. Much, much better. Better than anything else that you will ever get. But anyway, it's so good that even the BBC have had to close down Radio 2 overnight because of the competition. That's how, you know, they can't actually admit that they're rubbish. But they just uh, we're just going to close it and put out, you know, sort of the best of things like that. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, somebody says here, a swinging site is for consenting adults that enjoy sex and sexual experiences, legal and hardly pervy. Seems pervy to me. Doesn't seem pervy to you? Obviously not, because you're obviously one of those who uses one of those sites. That's why. And... and uh, so you probably enjoy LBC on a Saturday night from eight when we can talk about rude things like that. I'm not actually sure with the legal and consenting adults because he's been missing since September. So obviously it's a fantastic site to join, isn't it? And there's one lady who's gone to the paper today. Well, we, we don't have any connection, but they've not found him yet, so it doesn't make any difference. But um, it's a case of one lady's been to the police. She had a one night stand with him, class. And, uh, and she said, I didn't even know his name. She said, I just knew him by the picture. Great, isn't it? Uh, somebody says uh, your anger at real wrongs is righteous and raw. It is absolutely a child who dies, a dial, a child who dies with of a massive cardiac arrest, and all they get is thirteen years each. Whew, blimey! I tell you, I would be bringing back the death penalty. I really, but they wouldn't make any difference if they're drug addicts. People go, oh, we've got to look after them because they're drug addicts. They killed a child. I mean, how far down the line do you excuse that kind of thing? Uh, apparently, lime candles burn nicely as a citronella. We just put those in the garden, don't you? But a lemon milkshake. And, well, it's not lemon. It's a lime milkshake. Lemon milkshake. I, could pot- no, I can't understand that either. There's something odd about it. Lemon and lime are both sort of fairly, fairly acidy, aren't they? And you're putting them with milk. Butterscotch is nice. Butterscotch milkshake is nice. And banana milkshake was nice because it was made, obviously, with a real banana in it because you could taste the bits. You could see the bits, actually. It's either that or the milk had curdled. But it was, uh, it, it was particularly nice. In fact, it was so cold. You know, it gives you a head rush where you take a slurp of it and you go, oh, God. And you try and cool yourself down because it's hit the back of your throat. It's all ter- But it, it, was, it was particularly delicious. <laughs> particularly delicious. I love it. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. UK and uh, what else are we do? Oh yes, the Muslim schools top marks for teaching compared to the uh, other schools. Um, ants using the sun to navigate and uh, the priciest house in America. It's two hundred million. It looks ghastly. It's a real chav-looking place. And the only th- what, what does it come with? A twenty-five million pound car collection. So we've knocked the price down. And a helicopter that was used in the program Airwolf. Well, it's not much blooming use if you can't fly a helicopter, is it? And, and you look at it and you think, 
That's not 200 million. 200 million, you can get much better places. There's a house that's come on the market with Knight Frank. It's in Westminster. And from the outside, it looks lovely. It's one of these, you know, 1700s townhouses. But uh, they've kept the entrance hall, but the rest of it's gone all modern. Looks ghastly. 21 million they want. I'll tell you, if I win 70 million on the lottery tonight, I was going to buy it, but I've had a look inside it. I'm not going to buy it now. I should go and buy something else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a brief Friday. A little bit later on, uh, we'll be having a couple of clips from the guests who are going to be with me for In Conversation this weekend. Uh, one is a comedian, Jack Whitehall, who was fantastic. He's so slim. I mean, seriously, he's slim. He came in and he said, I must apologise, I don't know, we were being filmed. Uh, he was wearing tracksuit bottoms. And the reason he was wearing tracksuit bottoms is he was going to jog back home from here because he's on tour at the moment. Um, he was super. His mum might be listening. She might find the interview a little bit rude in parts. We've left a rude bit in. Well, it's not rude. It's just that he sort of lured me down an, uh, an alleyway. You'll have to wait till, uh, till you hear the interview tomorrow morning. And the other one is Jim Carter, who's going to be here, who's married to Imelda Staunton. He was in Downton Abbey, who was lovely. Both, both guests really lovely. Do you know, I don't think we, we get bad guests. I don't think I've ever had a bad guest. Seriously. In this current, you know, few-year run of, of In Conversations, I haven't had a bad guest. How cool is that? Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Somebody says the best milkshakes you get are the ones in McDonald's. Are you mad or something? Of course they're not the best milkshakes. That's just a mix that goes in there. And they say, especially the vanilla one. I don't think it's ever seen milk, has it? What do they put in their stuff? I don't know what's in their milkshakes. It's, I remember years ago, the joke with the McDonald's milkshake was they were so thick you couldn't suck them up the straw. It seemed a pointless exercise as far as I was concerned. It made it look like you were playing bagpipes trying to get this thing up there. But uh, I think it's, um, it's a, it's a flavouring, isn't it, that goes in there. Because they only ever do Occasionally they do banana, but it's like one of those... They bring it in and they wave it over your head like a sword of Damocles and they take it away from you. Um, for those people in London, there's uh, a really nice milkshake bar. We've got one in Kingston, actually. But there's one in Farringdon called Tinseltown. Is that the ones that do all the different Oreo, peanut butter... That's right, like American. They've actually got one in um, the shopping centre, Westfield, at Shepherd's Bush. They've got one where they do lots of chocolate bars, like dime bars and everything else. They put those into the blender and whisk it up with milk. You can do it yourself at home. Half the price. And um, what else they have? They had a peanut butter milkshake one at uh, the Gourmet Burger Company. But what's in a McDonald's milkshake? Because I'm sure... I've never seen milk being poured in. I see this stuff being poured in, which goes in at the top... And um, I just used to like chocolate milkshakes because they, they weren't that. But, of course, years ago, all you got was milkshakes in the Wimpy Bar, which was literally milk and crusher milkshake. And if you're very lucky, they put a dollop of ice cream in. It was particularly nice. But uh, I don't really call, you know, vanilla milkshake in McDonald the best one. There's, there's tons better. Tons better. I'm having a quick look, actually. Chocolate milkshake. You see, it was never dark enough, the chocolate milkshake, was it? It was always sort of fairly light, but I'm trying to find out what's in it. What is in it? It's a chocolate milkshake. Here we go. Skimmed milk. It doesn't tell you what it is. Sugar, cream, milk, whey powder, glucose syrup, stabilisers, guar gum, carob gum, and something called carrageenan. The chocolate flavour milkshake syrup is glucose syrup, water, fat-reduced cocoa powder, colour, ammonia caramel, fructose syrup, aromatic caramel salt, unsalted butter, milk, acidity regulators, phosphoric acid, citric acid, flavouring cocoa mass emulsifier, soya, 
preservatives, potassium sorbates. And that's just the chocolate flavouring. I mean, dear God in heaven, really? Wow. So in other words, how many ingredients are there? There's like 20 ingredients. Yeah, I just thought, you know, my naivety, milk and chocolate. But uh, apparently not. I think you'll find, have I not said this before? In their chips, there's something like 14 ingredients. In their, sorry, they're not chips, they're fries. They're McDonald's fries. And I think there's something like 14 ingredients. But that's why the McDonald's milkshake doesn't, doesn't look like chocolate. Does it? Why is it whenever I order a Big Mac, it never looks like that? Never looks like that. And the fries. What's the ingredients? What's the ingredients in the fries? Here we go. Are you ready? Brace yourself. This is just the fries, OK? Potatoes. OK, you'd expect that. Vegetable oil, sunflower rapeseed, dextrose, predominantly added at the beginning of the potato season, prepared in the restaurants using a non-hydronated vegetable oil. Salt is added after cooking. And uh, here they go. Uh, the fries can be cooked in the same oil as the spicy veggie patty. Uh, what veggie patty? Do we do a veggie patty? No, we did anything like that. But it doesn't say, actually. They haven't got all the things in here. Because I think you'll find that there are something like 14 ingredients. Because that's the, that's the veggie patty. That must be America. That must be America that they, they do veggie patties. Because I don't think they do those over here. Uh, and yet vegetarians appear to be all over the world. But we can't... I can't exactly find find the chips and what really is in them. So we're having a quick look. See, vegetarian... See, they do, they've got vegetarian on here. And I, I think that's... I think that's abroad. I'm pretty certain, actually. What was that apple something? Apple and grapefruit bag. Oh, God, how boring. Oats so simple. They're all doing that, aren't they? They do that in Burger King as well. All this talk of food. I'm so sorry. And they've got barbecue dips... Chili dip and then cream and chive dip. Because the Americans are away. This is all America, isn't it? I'm pretty certain. Spicy vegetable deluxe or vegetable deluxe. I've never seen that here. Oh, they do carrot sticks. I'm obviously going to the wrong branch. I don't, I've never seen any of these things in my one. Uh, they've got the Oreo McFlurry, the Cadbury Crunchy McFlurry, Dairy Milk McFlurry, Galaxy Ripple McFlurry. Wow, they do loads of things. Toffee. Do they do hash browns? Do they do little hash browns? No, they don't. They do those big hash browns. They're not the same, are they? They're not the same. Uh, there you go. Hash, hash brown. wonder what's in a hash brown. That's <laughs> things you learn on this programme. It's phenomenal, actually. It really is. It becomes an education for me. Here we go. Hash browns. Ah, uh, you see, they, they've, they've opted out of this one. They say potatoes, blend of non-hydronated vegetable oils, rapeseed, sunflower, salt, cornflour, Dehydrated potato, dextrous, stabiliser, black pepper, prepared in the restaurants using a non-hydrogenated hydrogenated, hydrogenated vegetable oil. And uh, the hash browns can be cooked in the same oil as the spicy veggie patty. And I, won't even, I can't even begin to tell you what's in the veggie patty. You want to know? All right, here you go. Just for you, though. No, no further. Chickpeas. Breadcrumbs, rice flour, gram flour, maize, starch, salt, rapeseed oil, emulsifier, mono and uh, diglutrides of fatty acids, dextrose, onion, water, yellow split peas, potato, sunflower oil, dehydrated potato, maize flour, maize starch, rapeseed oil, a lot of rapeseed oil, uh, rice flour, potato starch, cumin, oh good, sugar, salt, coriander leaf, garlic powder, garlic puree, stabiliser, Xanthan gum, colour, paprika extract. If you require any further details, contact McDonald's customer service. What, you mean there's something else in there? 
There can't be anything else, can there? <laughs> you do worry at all these all these stuff. It's Yes, and by the way, there's Burger King and Casey Burgers and loads of other burgers. When you go out there, Robbie Williams. Robin Williams is doing an interview uh, on American television. It's very funny. He's obviously completely hyped up. And uh, he starts talking, going to prove that you get the same kind of thing over here. And he says, oh, you can't imagine being a leper. And say, and he does this sort of thing. And he goes, joke. It's a joke. He said, imagine them all writing in at home. Yes, sir, I'm a leper. And I was mortally offended by that. He said, everybody gets offended by everything nowadays. Uh, Ron says, I expect Kevin the Milkman would let us know what's really inside these milkshakes. I don't think... He um, he actually, um, I don't think he does milkshakes. <laughs> and uh, the Tinseltown one's very nice, says, uh, says Calvin. Have you tried the Five Guys milkshake? It's very indulgent. You've got to be really careful with milkshakes. You don't want to sort of, you don't want to get too, um, too sort of into milkshakes. I mean, I think one a month, apparently there's an old school ice cream parlour on the seafront in Deal. Their Knickerbocker glory is pretty good too. I bet she she's still there, is she? Unbelievable, honestly. You'd never imagine, would you? Oh, it's a long way to go, though, isn't it? Deal. Just to get a just to get a milkshake. You know, I'm really not remotely interested. And uh, Norman says today is my last day at work. I left school in '65 at the age of 15, and I can't wait to put my feet up. Isn't that funny? People can't wait to retire. I was always told if you're going to retire, make sure you go. It's got something to do. Seriously, you know. Uh, Johnny says, in the lead-up to the Trump inauguration, Steve Allen's reading out the ingredients to McDonald's products. I know. And that's why we've got the biggest audience. You know, I'm telling you. I can't lie. I cannot lie about it, Johnny. I can only go with uh, what they actually tell me. And I've seen the figures. And ain't nobody coming anywhere close to me. So when people say, what's the secret to McDonald's ingredients? I could read out the telephone directory and it would be interesting. There's a way of doing it. To make it sound, if you're just reading out, oh, rapeseed, oh, this and that. But if you, if you sort of read it out and get a bit excited about it, it pushes Donald Trump really into about third or fourth place. And then somebody says here, don't knock swinging until you've, tr- until you've tired it. I think they probably mean tried it. It generally attracts the lower classes. It's all about consenting adults meeting up. It's perverts, what are you talking about? It's not consenting adults. You'll be amazed how many people enjoy swinging from all walks of life. God. So I'd rather do my job, actually. I really, I mean, seriously, it's, you know, given, given the choice, I don't want anybody to sort of start going, oh, I think we could, um, we could blindfold you, Steve. You know, it's like you pick somebody up and they take you home and they want to chain you to the bedpost. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, Robert says, I thought I tuned into the Steve Allen Cookery Show. We could do that for you if that's what you want, Robert. I know that you're in Plymouth and I appreciate the fact that you're starved of good radio. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. Tony at Westgate says, you've made me go and get my moo milk chocolate fudge from... Uh, from I, t- I tell you what, I've had this moo milk. It's They do one, it's very nice actually, they do a, and a banana milkshake in Iceland. It's about 95p for a litre. It's quite. It's very delicious actually. Very, very delicious. Marks and Spencers do one, as, in do, do, uh, as indeed do they do all. They all do. Uh, but the Marks and Spencers do the cheaper one, which you might as well just add cocoa powder and shake it up in the, in the bottle. A lot easier, actually. A lot easier. And I wasn't knocking swinging. I was just telling you that, uh, you know, the site he was on, he was into all sorts of strange things, you know, which are against, you know, the norm. Otherwise, I mean, I appreciate the fact there's loads of celebrities who are sort of getting their bits out in front of the cameras. Uh, the latest being Ricky Whittle. But, uh, you know, that one's been around for a little while now. It's only now that people go, oh, Ricky Whittle, we've, uh, we've seen you on the internet. And they all appear on the same site. I'm not going to tell you what the site is. I have to go and find out. 
da, 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 da. Woke up at um, four to catch the start of the show. For the first time, I look in the mirror and my 22 stone face is skinnier than it was last night. A side effect of being part of the spike. I know, it's amazing, isn't it? Listen to this programme, you lose weight. How about cream soda with ice cream? Yeah, that's quite nice. That's quite nice. I can go for, I can go for cream soda. And, uh, and Lee says, stop talking about food. I'm a police officer. Why does somebody tell you they're a police officer? Don't you eat or something? What's the matter with you? I mean, are you... Are you, are you hello? Always go, don't talk about food. I'm a police officer. I've not eaten for hours. Well, you must make sandwiches. You must, you know, get the other half to make, you know, cheese and pickle or something for the early hours of the morning. And I mean, I see policemen in Greggs all the time and Marks and Spencers and loads of things like that. Sorry, police officer. No, you're not eating, are you? Oh, might be. Uh, end of duty, you know. And uh, that's what people do now. But they have to tell you what they do. It's like me going in there and going, I'm a radio presenter. I've not eaten for hours. Who cares? Who cares? You must eat. It's not like you're not earning money, for goodness sake. Uh, somebody says, how much money would you need to be paid to do an in-conversation with Daniela uh, Cokebrook and Kerry Coke-Tona? Nothing. I'm not interested. I just say to the producer, no, thank you. No, thank you. It's not my not my target audience. Uh, you know, I don't, and also a little bit difficult. Uh, Kerry, because she's just, you know, wouldn't be interested. And uh, Danielle, because she's left the country. Woo-wee! So it's permanent. But it's not. She's taken two suitcases. So what's the betting? A photo shoot. OK, odds on on a photo shoot. Kerry Catone. Sorry, it'll be Daniela Westbrook on holiday in Mozambique or the Gambia. And um, and here she is on the beach and trying to get her head back in order. Why don't you go and get a job, darling? Go and get some rehab. Seriously sort yourself out and then go and get a job. Stop faffing around like a silly old woman. OK, you're over 40. You're supposed to know better. And by the way, when you get round to your son, do try and teach him to speak properly. Hello, you know, audience, because that's wicked. You know, that's like a little bit dated, darling. But obviously, let's face it, you weren't there for most of his life. You might as well sort of come into it now and do something. But get some help. Going on holiday doesn't help. The problem will still be there when you come back. OK, if you think it isn't, I'm advising you as an older adult who knows better than you, a lot better, because I haven't done cocaine. Okay, I haven't wasted my money. I have a roof over my head. You, of course, can't provide for your children. So what we're saying is go and get some help. You know, stop stop pushing it to one side. Go and get some help. Try and try and grow up this year. It would be nice, wouldn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Well, every uh, nine minutes to five. I'm Steve Allen. This is Early Breakfast on LBC. This is where the world comes out to play mainly because everybody else is talking about things which are going to happen later on in America, and uh, we're doing milkshakes and swinging at the moment. OK, it's completely different, and I, I appreciate that. Somebody called Martin says, I thought Daniela Westbrook was homeless in Liverpool after being sacked from the nail bar due to having a runny nose. I didn't know she was on a holiday. Yes, she's on a holiday. Well, she was pictured at the airport. I mean, she might have a cleaning job there, I don't know, with two giant suitcases. And uh, she was off on holiday. So I'm assuming you'll see the pictures in OK magazine. Ian in Warwick reckons that police officers get free tea and coffee in McDonald's. They might even get free food, but I'm not sure about that. Why? They they must have to declare that. Can't just sort of start accepting free tea and coffee. Perhaps I could go in there. Excuse me, police officer. Do you have to go in in uniform to qualify for the free food? I mean, and, and, and you get the free hash brown in the morning. I would like to know that. Uh, CJ says, I always see the police... In Greg's, and although I'm not a swinger, I used to love playing swing ball. It's the same sort of thing, I think. Same sort of thing. 
It's always, so swingers always try and coax you into their sort of way of life, don't they? Come on, you'll like it. Come on, Steve, take your clothes off. Come on, be a swinger. I don't want to swing. I'm quite happy being me. Thank you very much indeed. And, uh, and the police officer's back again. He says, thank you for the support. Well, I hope you wear it often. He says, uh, I haven't eaten due to being stood outside on the Victorian embankment all night, protecting you all from World War II bombs. Oh, set it off. Go on. Set it off. It's honestly, it's ridiculous. Stop finding these bombs. But listen, I'm in Leicester Square, so it's, uh, it's up by Victorian Bank. It's not going to affect me in the slightest. But it will cause a bit of a firework display. But then we, that's why we have the bomb disposal squad. He said, if only I had a cheese and pickle sandwich to eat. Well, you're obviously managing to stand there and listen to the radio. I mean, if somebody comes up to you, excuse me, can you tell me where someone's... Go away, there's a bomb, there's a bomb. A bomb? A bomb. A World War II bomb. There must be loads of them, I should imagine. There must be loads which are sort of there. And, and they sort of landed, but they, they didn't explode. It's a bit exciting, isn't it? I've seen this, but I get a bit nervous around... Not around bombs, but people, the, the bomb disposal people. They've now got robots that come and uh, do it. Mira says it's 4.45 on LBC. They're talking about swinging and milkshakes. Yeah, that's, that's why we get the biggest audience. There's no point in doing something that people don't want to hear on the radio. Luckily, I'm able to gauge my audience. We're interested in cheese and pickle sandwiches, police officers guarding World War II unexploded bombs, although we're not sure if it is unexploded, but I think it might be. And, um, and then we'll talk about Trump's inauguration later on. Plus, we have also talked about, and it's very uh, remiss of you not to remind people that we talked about the four-year-old girl who was addicted to drugs and who died of a massive cardiac arrest. That took up uh, at least a good ten minutes of the programme. You should have mentioned that, Mira. It's, uh, you know, we do really, really serious things, which, which should affect everybody, but uh, you didn't mention that. So presumably your excuse will be that you came in a bit late to the programme. Well, I've told you before, don't come late to my programme. OK, this starts at four. No good wandering in at twenty past four. You know, you have to be in at four to, to be aware of what's going on in the world. Like, I'm assuming you had heard about the avalanche... Uh, when they finally got to this hotel in Italy, up in the mountains, um, this is in central Italy, the only bit visible of the hotel is the top bit of it. The rest of it is swallowed by this avalanche. There's another two stories, and they've been into the hotel, and the snow came right into the swimming pool, which is in the basement. So people died, uh, they think, up to 30 dead because it's very quiet up there. It took them ages to get the rescuers in because of the amount of snow. It was a huge avalanche after they had all these earth tremors, which they had last year, and 300 people died. So now it's gone back again. The only thing above the hotel are the trees. The rest of it, it's this snow comes in and just engulfs the place. And because it's freezing cold, it's not disappearing any time soon. They will probably only know where these people are once they uh, once the snow vanishes. But it shows no sign of going anywhere at the moment. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, you look at the dining area. You look at how this snow just comes in. It Literally, when there's an avalanche, the, the mountain just moves. And it goes... So they would have been buried alive. And uh, they think there was about 60 people in the hotel. They now think that there's probably 30 who have probably lost their, their lives. Uh, Big Brother cleaning up a little bit. Some dreadful old baggage called Chloe Ferry. I mean, really an embarrassment. But there again, I should imagine the family are kind of used to that sort of thing. Uh, then we had Binky Felstead, who I think will probably feature on my uh, special extra podcast today. Her mother's really delighted that her daughter's up the duff, which is fantastic. You know, I can understand it if she had a boyfriend or the person who got her pregnant, but uh, they've sort of separated. But luckily, he's staying with her. So that's good news, isn't it? How times have changed. 
how times have changed. You know, you look at Binky. Binky's not her real name, incidentally. That's kind of a nickname. Like sort of, you know, anybody from Geordie Shaw, their nickname would be Tramp. You know, it's the same kind of thing. But uh, Mark says, uh, always enjoy Nesquik milkshakes. See, I do Crusher. If I'm going to have one, and I haven't had any Crusher milkshake for ages, because it's the liquid. I could never get Nesquik milkshake to to sort of dissolve all the, the powder and everything else, but Crusher milkshake. And the Crusher chocolate milkshake was particularly delicious. You know, especially if you put a dollop of uh, a vanilla ice cream in there. That's very nice indeed. Uh, the funeral of Rick Parfit took place the other day. And uh, three wives tell her, amazing how many people did guitars, you know, flowers in the in the shape of guitars. I thought that was uh, that was quite a nice thing. And uh, the Sex Swingers Club put up a wall of silence after the disappearance of the RAF gunner Corrie McKeague. The Fab Swingers website, which Corrie and his girlfriend April had joined, shut down online discussions about him. I bet they did. Because I should imagine the police will be looking at all the people who've logged onto that website very carefully. Because there might be people on that website who knew exactly what had happened to him. Who knows? Who knows? Did he, as people think, but as I say, purely guesswork, did he phone somebody up on the website that he'd met on the website and they arranged to meet him? And so he was wandering about and then a car turns up and then maybe a sex game went wrong. We don't know. I mean, that's purely guesswork. That's about as much guesswork as you can have on the programme. But uh, a panic-stricken male swinger from Bedfordshire, lock down your photos, he said. The thought police will be swarming all over the site for days. Another warned, tread carefully, fabbers. Because uh, because they know that uh, some of these people get get into all sorts of things. And um, they say here, if members put up a wall of silence to protect their privacy or that of their various partners, it could hamper the search for the truth. So they obviously think, although he was exposed as a swinger by his mum, Nicola, can't imagine why you'd want to expose your son as a as a swinger. I mean, she's a police officer. I'm assuming she must have known about this for, for some time. Uh, going into Greece, it's Tom Parker. Tom Parker was in The Wanted. And he's decided... But he sort of looks the part. i got chills, they're multiplying. And I'm losing control. Which is nice. Uh, Frank says, diners in America are open 24 hours a day. You can order anything you want at any time. Yeah... I mean, but the, that's why the Americans are the size they are. They always do it. And uh, they've got one here. Uh, uh, the nearest Donald, uh, McDonald's to me is in Durban, South Africa. Uh, one kilometre away. 24 hours. Yes, they're everywhere. I'm not sure I could eat. Isn't, isn't McDonald's the kind of thing that people eat it? And then afterwards they go, I feel really guilty that I've just eaten that. That's the problem, isn't it? I spoke to somebody yesterday. And, uh, and somebody said to me, they went and had a... And I'll tell you it was, it was Paul Smith. He went and had McDonald's after he finished. I said, did you feel guilty afterwards? He said, yes. He said, I felt very guilty. Because it kind of looks appealing to start with the chopped up lettuce and everything else and the size of this thing. But, um... And uh, the good news is that this particular person uh, says, I've been listening to LBC since leaving the UK four years ago. Radio here is appalling. Yeah, I can, I can probably imagine, actually. Well, because they wouldn't know what to talk about, would they? They wouldn't know how to get an audience if their life depended on it. It's all sort of, it's all a little bit basic. Uh, Steve, we, police officers, do not get free McDonald's tea and coffee. Some places may refuse to take payment, but certainly not as a rule across all the shops. And as for being in Greg's, nearly every police station in London has no canteen, as they were closed last year in cost cuts. So there you go. So that's why they all go to Greg's, uh, says Dave in London, who obviously isn't a police officer, because I don't know any police officers called David. 
They'd all be Dave or Rick or something like that or Mary. Uh, <laughs> so no canteens. God, I mean, that's an old fashioned thing, isn't it? A canteen. A canteen and a police station. Well, the trouble is there are so many places you can go and get something to eat now, so why would you need one? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Four minutes past five. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. So Alanis Morissette's manager has admitted stealing money in a scam that goes back some years. It's, I mean, it's not just sort of a couple of hundred thousand quid. I think it's, uh, it runs into millions as well. Uh, the Ricky Whittle sex tape appears online. He's mortified, as indeed are all these people. Uh, the trouble is, if you um, if you perform on camera to somebody and uh, and then they record it the other end and put it out in the public domain, more fool you. More fool you. There's loads of people now. This must make it about 22, 23 people. Um, Adam Garcia, who has not made the papers yet, he also has done one of these uh, tapes. I mean, you begin to wonder really how mad they've all gone because if you're on a computer or if you've got a mobile phone and somebody says, you know, show me your bits, I'd kind of be thinking anyway, surely somebody at the other end could be recording it. And that's exactly what they've done in every single case from Amir Khan backwards. Dreadful. Jonathan says, very sad about the little girl. Very sad. Is that the best you can manage? Very sad about a little girl. Dear God, what a tragic person you must be. He says, I've just seen you on Twitter. You sound better than you look. You're a very tragic person. You're very tragic. Very sad about the little girl. The little girl who had the big cardiac arrest. My God, there's so much pity in your heart, isn't there, really? Dear God in heaven, you worry me, people like you. Uh, what do we need here? We need um, girls who are too good for the lads. Not going to be affecting you, Jonathan. Don't worry about this one. This is a story for decent people. It's an unbeaten girls' football squad who've left the boys too frightened to play them. I don't know why. The fearsome Leeds Town Strikers, I mean, just the name Leeds Town Strikers, kind of makes you worry, doesn't it? They've scored 110 goals in just seven matches and conceded only four. What are they playing against? Who are they playing? Teacups? Are they playing against 110 goals in seven matches? What are they... I mean, are the men just standing there like wet girls' blouses? They're so good, they don't even need a full-time goalkeeper. They're that good. What do they do? Beat people up on the pitch. Come near our goal, pal. Anyway, coach Stuart Henley says boys often back out of playing the team because of the... Dear God, they're under 10 years old. They're not even adults. They're 10. He says not many boys teams want to play us and sometimes cancel last minute when they find out who we are. He says the girls don't like it either. Oh, don't mess with the girls. Over there at the Leeds Town Strikers... Stuart says uh, the girls take it in turns to go into the into the goalie. We've still managed to score 110 goals in the season. I mean, they sound a bit dangerous to me. They've been around for three years. They started as an under-8 team. Now they're the under-10s. They're obviously the hard ones. They're the ones who turn up. Hello, boys, right? This is Melissa. I'm Kylie. OK, and over here, let's just call her Danger Mouse. And they sort of get out, the little boys run, screaming. Ten-year-old boys. Woo, scary, scary. And off they run. A little bit worrying, isn't it, really? A little bit worrying. Uh, here's a picture of, uh, oh, Hercules. Loads of, there used to be um, a giant grizzly bear called Hercules, but this isn't. This is another Paul Potts bloke. Beefy father of two, Hercules Smith from Canterbury. Oh, tell me, dear God, nobody's actually called Hercules. Seriously. <laughs> he struggles to breathe as nerves get the better of him. He even starts to cry. 
Like Gary, but it's all set up, isn't it? You can just tell. You can just... I've seen the scenario. You're right. <sighs> yeah, all right. OK, ready? And off they go. And there we go. Oh, it's unbelievable, isn't it? What a load of old rubbish, ladies and gentlemen. In Britain's Got Talent, uh, they had Paul Potts, you know, and he sort of comes on. And if you remember the scenario, it's always when you get Simon Cowell making a comment. Like, oh, God. Because he had that when he had um, Jonathan and his girl on there and they, they sang and he said oh god look at this, this one kind of thing and then he, of course he opens his mouth and sings and we all go oh isn't that amazing so they cut to all these uh, superimposed things in the audience where they've got lots of people go oh, you know as if you've got a camera on every single person in the audience I mean come on yeah Susan Boyle was sort of the classic one wasn't it what's your name my name's Susan Boyle you know I mean she was about to come into the audience I thought that was a bit scary and uh, what's the dream uh, I want to sing and uh, and off she went and they went, oh, isn't she great? And I was thinking, she's very average. Seriously, very average. And, uh, and then she started sort of hitching her skirts up. And they went, cut, cut, move away, move away. Go to the other side of the stage. She's gone. She's finally gone. She danced with a broomstick at an airport once. And, uh, but now she's, she's been on a diet for some reason. Can't imagine why. Anyway, Hercules uh, is actually not as, um, not as innocent as you think as indeed with all these programmes. This is a bloke here. He's no stranger to the limelight. He won a competition called The Voices of Europe in 2012. He's even performed a song at the uh, Castle Rugby Championships between South Africa and Argentina. So, in other words, it's not amateurs. It's professional people. You know, the people who've got the good voices are the ones who are working on the West End. So that's why Gary Barlow's programme... I'm sure he's delightful. I'm sure he's wonderful. But it's hemorrhaging audience. 500,000 have vanished already and whether they go back again i don't think they do because i think you the british public are well aware of this kind of thing well aware of it i need your wisdom says scott the cabbie do i go with chocolate limes or rhubarb and custard sweets for today's shift well to be honest with you uh i would have to go with much as i like chocolate limes rhubarb and custard it's got to be rhubarb or failing i tell you what used to like years and years ago for, for a sort of shift cough candy Remember cough candy? And they would always, if, if you left it longer than a day in the packet, they would all stick together. And they'd be like, oh, God. But I used to love cough candy. Rhubarb and custard. OK, I mean, passable. I can, um, I can sort of just about get away with things like that. I nearly bought a jar of, uh, what do they call them? Flying saucers the other day. You know, the rice paper filled with the sherbet inside. They're quite nice, but a bit boring after about the fifth. And uh, although Pringles are quite good at the moment. Uh, but other flavours of, of sweeties, pineapple chunks, pineapple chunk. Once you'd suck the sugar off, that was OK. Um, oh, I'm making my mouth water now thinking about them. Please don't write in with your favourite sweets. It's not that sort of programme. That's for lesser known BBC stations. You know, can't think of anything to talk about. And uh, they're not allowed an opinion anyway. Somebody wrote to me the other day. Somebody, exactly. We're doing milkshakes. <laughs> well, I'm not really asking people for their flavours of milkshakes that they like. I really couldn't care less. And uh, and somebody somebody wrote to me yesterday. It was so funny because we all had a we wet ourselves laughing on this one. Who said the reason you um, you're rude about the BBC is because they've never offered you a job? Why would I ever want a job? The BBC never offer anybody a job. You have to go crawling and begging to work on a station where you're not allowed to have an opinion. What would be the point of that? That's for mamby pambies. We don't do mamby pamby. This is proper grown up stuff. Uh, Steve, why is the UK having protests against Donald Trump? What's he got to do with us? I don't know. I don't know. People just people like to protest about things, don't they? 
You know, people just, you know, because we're that sort of nation. We've got to have, you know, we've got to protest about Donald Trump. I, I'm, to be honest with you, I think by the time you've heard the inauguration on LBC uh, later on, because we've got we've got a crack team out there and, you know, they're wanting to explain to you because they're going to have to paint bigger pictures than a Mamby Pambies on the other stations. You'll be going, you know, and uh, we have the insight. We have the man uh, with us who, who Donald Trump absolutely adores. That's Nigel Farage. He absolutely loves him. So he's got his own personal invite. I mean, come on, it doesn't get any better than that. How, how close to the president do you want to get? Whether you like it or not, he is going to be president. It's going to happen later on today. The security is going to be paramount, and that's what they'll probably tell you, because uh, they're worried about assassination attempts and all this kind of stuff. Happened before. Happened before. But uh, people do... You know, they like this kind of... There'll be those people in America who don't like it, the celebrities who don't like it, and uh, and there'll be non-celebrities. And to be honest with you, everybody's allowed an opinion, but it's just it's so dull nowadays. You know, he's been elected president. He's like sort of complaining about the Queen. You know, oh, I never voted her in. Well, you didn't need to. Nobody cares what you think. You know, Prince Harry's just been made in charge of elephants, I believe, or rhinoceros, I think in Rwanda or something like that. And uh, I don't know how much time he'll be able to devote to it. Perhaps he can take his girlfriend out with him over there. Uh, somebody says, why don't uh, why do celebrities keep embarrassing themselves by speaking out about politics, climate change, war and starving people? Why don't they do just what they're supposed to do and shut up? Well, because celebrities feel that they have a voice, John. And because they are a celebrity, technically speaking, people write it down. So they go, oh, look. You know, I don't know, kind of Pixie Lot or something is devoting her, her time to... That's what you can do. I can talk about something and because I'm in a privileged position. I've got a radio programme which hundreds of thousands of people listen to. So if I say something, the, the majority of people will be going, he's absolutely right, you know, absolutely right. People get, people get themselves into such a little um, sort of tizzy nowadays, don't they? About everything, you know, oh, we can't say that, oh, that hurts me, that offends me. You know, you watch, by the time you've kicked out a Big Brother, because they're not celebrities, they're just Big Brother rejects, by the time they've actually kicked out Colleen Nolan, she'll be dripping herself all over the loose women, you know, sobbing into a handkerchief, telling her what an awful appearance it was. Well, I'll tell you what, if it's so awful when she comes out, why doesn't somebody on the, on the panel of loose women ask her to donate her fee to charity? That would be nice, wouldn't it? Why don't you donate it to a bullying charity? She won't, of course. She's in there to take the money. Apparently, the larger Tesco stores sell cough candy, says Sue in Devon. Oh, you can get cough candy anywhere. In fact, I would think you could probably get it. Where did I go once? Oh, uh, garden centres. They have little packets of sweets by the till to tempt people like you, Sue. And um, fatty people. And they, because um, you're in debt, you must be. Listen, you've got clotted cream, you've got yellow ice cream. I was all told never to touch that, but anyway. And then you go to the uh, the um, the garden centres and by the till, they've got licorice comforts, cough cat, little packs, terribly expensive, but but good, but good. Steve, have any of your listeners noticed they were playing the same record in the pub in Emmerdale and Corrie? Roxy Music's more than this on Wednesday, says Joyce. Joyce, you need to get a life. You really mustn't start wandering between the soaps, working out what piece of music they're actually selling. It's It's just, it's not... It's really not in your remit at all. So uh, don't do it, OK? Don't do it. So uh, anybody... Oh, yes, talking about Crusher Milkshake, says Kevin the Milkman, brought back happy memories when I would go to Harlow Town Centre shopping and as a treat, we would go to the cafeteria in Woolworths all oh, for a pineapple Crusher Milkshake made in a machine that frothed it really well. Oh, they told you that, did they? I've got news for you how, where, where the froth came from. And two straws as well. He says, I can taste it now. See, a pineapple crusher. 
Actually, uh, I can remember the machines. I had a I had a milkshake machine. I don't have one now because it's not good for me. But all you have to do is just put it in a thing, screw up the top, shake it, and out it comes with that frothy bit that you so remember, Kevin. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 5.20 is the time. So, uh, so um, Desert Island Discs, uh, the Roy Plumley show, which is now hosted by Kirsty Young, uh, it just celebrates 75 years. And so you'd have thought for 75 years... Um, they would pick somebody like a Nobel Prize winner. They would pick somebody, you know, somebody absolutely fantastic. Somebody top of their game. Somebody who the public want to hear from. And they get David Beckham. So people quite rightly have criticised the BBC because it's our BBC. Do you remember that? They're constantly saying it's your BBC. Well, I'll tell you what, you pick badly on that one. You know, so they pick some bloke who advertises pants and whiskey. You know, he might have played football, but it was a long, long time ago. They're an attention-seeking family. Do you seriously believe that David Beckham knows everything about Desert Island Discs? You've got to pick a book, David. Oh, goody, colouring. No, no, dear, you've got to pick a book that you would take to read on the Desert Island. I'll take Victoria. Yeah, but but you have to sort of, you have to pick a book to read. And uh, and music. Do you listen to a lot of music? I like Coldplay. Yeah, um, would you be picking any of the Spice Girls? I don't like the Spice Girls. Oh, right. Would you not be taking any of the Spice Girls music with you? What would, what would be your highlight? I think when Victoria stopped singing, that was, that was my highlight. OK, so um, and do, do you have a good relationship? You know, do all the kids listen to music? We listen to Teletubbies. OK, and um, do you have favourite songs? Tinky Winky did a song. You could have so much fun, couldn't you, David Beckham, on, on Desert Island Discs. I wonder what, how much editing. Do you think the, the producer went, oh, there's a lot of editing on this one. I can't see him actually go. He doesn't strike me as just because all he does is he poses. He doesn't actually chat, does he, really? You know, to actually get Dave to say something is like a bit of an achievement. It's a bit like pulling teeth. So come on, Dave. So um, so what would be your first record? I don't know. Um, do you have a favourite? Do, do you like sort of be- like the Beatles? Right. How about I tell you what you want, what you really, really want? Well, I don't like that. OK. And uh, Mama, we love. Don't like that one either. Which ones do you like, then? I liked it when Victoria didn't sing. <laughs> could be about as good as it gets, couldn't it? This might actually be quite entertaining, actually, on reflection. <laughs> Every time I see the Queen wearing a lime outfit, I think of that blasted milkshake. How ill is Martin McGuinness? I think he's very ill. I think he's very, very ill. You know, if he said that he didn't think he could stand because of the, the pressure, and I looked at him and I listened to him and I thought, you're very ill. He's a lot iller than people are uh, are giving him. Somebody said, oh, you know, he might live for another... Um, six years and I'm thinking um, I don't think he will I really don't think Ian says Joanne Webb just said all the roads in Westminster were open at 2am why is the police officer still there is he skiving I don't know he might be I don't, we don't he's, he's there trying to find a cheese and pickle sandwich at 2 o'clock in the morning I don't know and uh, 84850 steve at lbc.co dot uk and um, we put all your texts and uh, and emails in uh see if i share your outrage at the social work nobody can share my outrage i don't share my outrage i just merely put it out there in the public domain the people who fail to intervene and save poppy widdison every child deserves to be protected by their parents well how can you when your parents are drug addicts and dealers and they knew they were drug addicts and dealers that's the worst thing they knew what they were and they deemed that she was safe to be left with them they were drug users it's just absolutely ridiculous. You know, this this child should have been removed 
from this this family, ages and ages. Three times they missed it. That's why they should be named and shamed and then fired. It's as simple as that. Uh, Tracy says, frothy milk can be made with an empty milk cart and pour warm milk in and shake like a demon. Voila! I saw Jamie Oliver do it. It doesn't have to be warm milk. You can do it with cold milk. You can shake uh, cold milk up. I'll tell you what's really good. Go and buy one of those, that uh, Jersey milk, pour off half of it, add some Crusher milkshake and shake like bilio. And I promise you at the end of it, you'll have a frothy, super-duper milkshake. Uh, I told you, Steve, I'm not uh, doing old sweets. I couldn't care. Anything that's got old sweets written on, I'm deleting. Seriously, this is not BBC Local Radio. Uh, football games for the under-11s is 30 minutes each half, so they've scored one goal every two minutes. The other team, says Tony, can't have touched the ball. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I was, I was more horrified to discover that the football team from Leeds were under 10. They're quite clearly like Centrinians. They're quite clearly, get them, come on, rag the boys. Woo, and the boys are going, run, pick up your skirts and run. Glenn in Harlow likes my David Beckham impersonation. It's possibly the most accurate you'll ever hear. Possibly. I think, actually, I could actually do an entire Desert Island disc with David Beckham. And um, and you remember Kirsty Young, don't you? When I, I got in the lift with her at ITN, and I thought, I'd never spoken to her. I'd, I, was, I was doing Five Five's company. I don't think she knew who I was. She was a little bit above me. And uh, she had about 20 colours in her hair. And people used to say to her, oh, Kirsty Young, I remember reading an interview with her in the papers. And they were going, isn't she? She's got legs up to here. Nobody ever saw it in a skirt. She always wore trousers for reading the news. And she was always terribly, terribly. And, uh, and I said, because I thought that we had something in common. I said, I think we've both got the same agent. And so she looked at me pitifully. And, uh, and she said, who would that be? And I told her, she said, I'm not with her anymore. And then the lift doors opened and she walked out. I was, I was suitably admonished by Kirsty Young. I was made to feel about that big. <coughs> so I don't do swinging sights. Anyway, the, uh, the person who said, Steve, that you sound better than you look is obviously very insecure and probably looks like a cyclops. Do you remember a cyclops? That's the thing with one eye in the middle. I know. Why would people worry, unless they're sort of slightly odd, what you look like on the radio? Why, why would that worry them? Because they're sad people. Very sad people. Uh, ants use the sun to navigate like I'm bothered. It's a, it's a major study, and they've said, how do ants navigate? I couldn't care less. They might drive pixie cars. They might sort of go out and gang up on some field mice and sort of hitch a ride. I don't know. I really don't know, and I really don't care. It's a pe- feature in one of the papers today, and I, I remember thinking as I was reading it, do I really care that there's somebody somewhere going, you know, uh, the reason that ants go this way is because they're navigating uh, by by the sun, I'm I'm really not interested. I'm more interested in the fact that Big Brother, vile though it is, has had its ratings upped by Kim uh, because she's been so dreadful to people. And I've read all sorts of people. There was a, there was a little bit from one of those dreary Liberty X girls. I think it was Michelle Heaton. Dreary old Michelle Heaton. We all remember Michelle Heaton, don't we? Yes, because Michelle Heaton uh, turned up on a come dime with me, walking down the stairs, and her opening line was... I'm not wearing any knickers. And it was at that moment that people went, oh, God, how desperately sad. Anyway, uh, she's going out on tour with Liberty X. They've ditched the boys. I say boys. They've ditched the, uh, ditched the two people in it, and they're just going out as three girls. Are we really interested? I mean, she's about 40 now, isn't she? She must be way too old for that kind of thing. Uh, hobbies can reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. Now, I've heard this before. It's a good idea, but the trouble is, if, you're, if you've got Alzheimer's, and if you are suffering from Alzheimer's, the last thing you're thinking of is a hobby. And I don't know what hobby 
They don't give you a recommendation. I mean, would it be stamp? I think it's something where you've got to use your brain. So stamp collecting would be very popular. Very, and I used to collect stamps. I don't do it now because I, I see it as a bit, a bit dreary. But I think if, if you've got, you know, out of different, you know, hobbies that you could have, stamp collecting would be top of my list. Or, or coin collecting. That would be equally dull. I, I couldn't do either of those things. I have done them. But I'm not uh, I'm not prepared to do them again. And when people say to me, do you have a hobby? I always say no. I always say no, because there's no point in lying about it. I have a hobby, but it's but it's not sort of it's you know, it's sort of it, I mean, it's not even listening to the radio. I couldn't say that listening to the radio was a hobby. And yet I know lots of anoraks in the business and out of the business who listen to the radio all the time. You know, people who know everything. I have never stood on a train platform with a notebook writing down the number. Oh, that's the uh, that's the 1535 from Norwich. The first carriage came in in 1873. It was used by the late Princess Margaret. She used to use that as a... Oh, God, you imagine how dull these people are. It's like being a doctor. You go to a party and immediately, immediately people go, Oh, you're a doctor. You couldn't have a look at this for me, could you? That's what people do nowadays, isn't it? <laughs> like if you're a hairdresser and people's... Who's that? Is that who I think it is? Oh, God, Sheffield boy's arrived again. God's truth, honestly. What does it look like? Why does it look like Dr. Crippen? Slightly disturbing, isn't it, isn't it? I was late for the break again. I got told off the other day. I got told off by this one and Nick Ferrari's producer because they gear themselves up to leaving for me on the breaks. And if I go late to the break, it, it sort of completely ruins their day, which I'm, of course, delighted with. I'm now going to do late breaks all the time. In fact, if anything, I won't be hitting an on-time break ever again in my entire life. I'm going to go so late, Ollie. You're really going to be hating me a lot. You're going to have to stay up from two o'clock in the morning just to make sure that you're there on time. (laughs) Yeah, you have to stop listening. Oh, don't worry. It's not going to make any difference, pal. I've got the market sewn up. (laughs) I love the way... That's almost like a threat, isn't it? That sort of Damocles. I'm not going to listen to you ever again. And you think, yeah, right. They do. People say that, don't they? Apparently, Malcolm says, Desert Island Disc is three weeks to the day older than me. Is it really? It's been been going... You know, 75, so it's been going that long. But David Beckham... And the funny thing is, they've never thought about him up until now. It's been going for 75 years. They normally have interesting people. I mean, what's he, you know, he, he just does poses. You know, it's just, oh, Blanche says, what about your pet aunt? Now, you know he's dead. You just happened to bring that up, didn't you? Because it's a Friday. And you know that Friday is the day where nothing can spoil my happiness for the weekend. Because I've got an actress coming in called Rebecca Hall, who's got very famous daddy. And uh, she comes from a, a famous, in fact, she couldn't really have done anything else apart from acting. So she's in a film, and it's a very interesting film, which we'll tell you about. I'll I'll give you a clue. Uh, It was a newsreader on television who suffered from depression. So much depression did she suffer that she committed suicide live on air. And they've made a film. In fact, there's a couple of films out about it. So we'll have a chat to Rebecca Hall about that. I mean, it's such an interesting character. Seriously. So, you know, I wonder whether she'd be thrilled that years later somebody makes a film about her depression and about how she ended up taking her own life live on television i mean it's, it's a very very sad thing very sad thing you're listening to a podcast from lbc all systems go in america later on today on lbc we're going crackers over it mainly because uh, we have a nice team out there with ian dale uh, matt fry's out there katie hopkins is out there Hoisted by her own petard, I should imagine. And uh, who else is out there? Nigel, Fr- of course, Nigel Farage. How can I forget? The one, the only one who's genuinely got an invite 
It was actually because he's sort of... You're probably fine that uh, Trump's... Are, are, are you here? Are you, where, where are you? Show, show me. Hi, hi, Nige. It'll be like that, won't it? It really will be like that. I can just imagine. Uh, Steve, Kevin, who's from Main Course, they're singing waiters, by the way, in case, you know, not just content to deliver food. Now they blooming well sing to you. He says, Kevin here, the unattractive one. I know, out of all of them, he's the unattractive one. He says, the wife kicked me out of bed for having that Steve Allen on at 5am. Marriage slightly ropey, is it, at the moment? Is that the wife called Brian? Okay, could I hazard a guess? And Michael says, with you on the Martin McGuinness thing, to call his effort to speak. He was almost whispering on the news. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely convinced. I thought he was a lot iller than they were making out, really. Um, making up for it today, Steve. This is... Uh, this. I, I went out... If I go out for lunch at uh, daytime, and I, I do do it... Not very often, but I do do it occasionally. I can't, That's it for the day. I can't eat anything later on because I didn't get home till about three o'clock yesterday, the time we'd been out for lunch. And, um, and I didn't want to eat anything else. I thought perhaps I'll just have some fruit. I didn't even have that. So I didn't have anything at all. Uh, Steve, the best David Beckham ever. It's as if he was sitting next to me. We, we actually decided I could probably record a whole thing that would be David Beckham on Desert Island Discs with Kirsty. So tell me, uh, you know, what do you like about this Desert Island? It hasn't got Victoria on it. You know, I can't touch my money. Oh, does Victoria take your money a lot? She does. How, how much has she taken? I don't know, lots. Lots. So, so what do you do to relax, Dave? I do jigsaws. Oh, right, OK. What sort of jigsaws do you do? I'm doing one at the moment, and it's it's a picture of a cockerel, and it's nice. OK. Sure they're not just cornflakes, and you just empty them out of the box, Dave? Oh, I don't know. Might be, mightn't it? What was the other one you couldn't achieve? I've got one London by night. Oh, right, what's that? Just all black. Just all black. We've got to find the pieces. I mean, what would he talk about? Do you think he will get plugs in? Do you think they'll allow him to do plugs for all the products that he gets paid to endorse? Because there are loads of them, actually. There are loads of, of, of things, you know, apart from pants and whiskey. And I'm still convinced that Dave Beckham has never been tiddled in his entire life. I mean, that would be the picture, because every time he comes out and she's a bit, she's a bit tiddly, he's got that face on him, which makes him trying to look terribly butch and all the way. He sort of comes out there dragging her out by her hair, but being quite careful. You know, Victoria's like, oh, how drinky poos. Victoria Beckham. Fashion. Well, maybe not, maybe not the flared trousers. That wasn't really fashion, was it? That was just a joke outfit. And uh, so what would he talk about? I mean, do you think he even understands about the endorsements? He probably doesn't understand that at all. He probably has no idea about endorsements. And uh, they'll, have to, they'll have to just cut it all out. Very embarrassing. Uh, the white faces of the Black Lives gang. Do you remember them? The one that disrupted the roads and I sat down in the road. Black Lives Matter. And people are going, but they're not black. And they're going, uh, yeah, they're all just terribly well healed. So they got fined, I think, between 300 and 460 quid or something like that. Whatever it was. And they sort of still protested their innocence. Tough. You were found guilty by the court of law. Kevin in Kent possibly is the answer to your question. Possibly. Uh, CJ says, I too picked up on how frail Martin McGuinness was. Well, that was the first thing that struck me. You know why? I didn't, I hadn't seen him, I, um, but I heard him. And because I spent my life listening to voices, I remember thinking, oh, that doesn't sound good. That really doesn't sound good. I mean, he really sounded like he was seriously on his last legs. So uh, I'm glad everybody else picked up on the same. But I didn't see him first. I heard it. I was doing something on the computer and I, I heard the television. I thought, who's that? I thought, they don't sound very well. And then he said, he was explaining about how he couldn't actually, 
you know, go into the political arena because they just didn't have the energy for it. And I thought, I bet he's a lot iller than we're actually being told. Uh, lovely day in London, says little Julie with Winnie. Started with a tour of Borough Market and Southwark Cathedral. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? And Borough Market, absolutely. And then cocktails at the Big Easy, followed by a lovely seafood meal. Well, actually, where you are at Borough Market, you're very near the Shard. And you can go and have tea at the Shard. Next time you're around that area, go and have tea at the Shangri-La. That's lovely. It's not cheap, but the views are sensational. And it's so funny because you've got sort of Borough Market. It's a bit of a busy sort of cosmopolitan type area. And then you've got the Shard. And uh, and it just it just seems a bit odd, a bit incongruous. They just sort of shoved it there. But uh, we, we loved it up there. We had a really, really nice time. But that part of... Hardly anybody goes to that bit of... I say hardly anybody goes. It's not it's not really our side of London, is it? You're in West London, where I am. And then we go... I don't know what Borough Market would be. What, what would that be called? Sa- Sa- sorry, Saf. That'd be Saf. That's your manor, is it? Oh, right. South London, producer's manor. And I've been to Borough Market a few times. If you like food, that's what they do there. Lots of different foods. And then there's the Menier Chocolate Factory over the road. So you could, I mean, effectively, you could do your whole day there, then go and see a performance at the Menier Chocolate Factory. But uh, no, I, I quite like it. I, f- I feel a bit, a bit sort of nostalgic and wistful when I go around that area because I look at the Thames and, and I've been down... If you're not doing anything today, you should do that, really. If, it doesn't matter if you're a tourist. Uh, if you are, hello. <laughs> to do that for them keeps tourists happy. The London Tourist Board just said, just be nice to them. Hello. Hello. Welcome to London. This is radio. And, um, and the thing you can do, even if you're a Londoner, because I bet you've never done it, go down the Thames on one of those boats. I bet you've never done it. I've, I've done it a few times and I love it. You go down, you go past the prospect of Whitby. Then you get to that part of the Thames where it widens out and it's just huge. And then you go all the way down and it's, it's well worth it. It's well worth it. If, if you've got um, an Oyster card, if you've got the, uh, the older person's Oyster card, you get a discount as well. I always ask for a discount now. <laughs> Nobody's ever challenged my old people. I was on the train the other day and the conductor came through. Tickets, please. Tickets, please. So I took, and I expected him to say, but you're way too young, Steve, to have this card. Didn't say a word. Nothing at all. So I just had to go with it. But that's it. You should do that. Wherever you are, I like to if, I like to think if I'm going around the world and if I'm going on holiday, ha, 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 you know, to go somewhere and try and do something that is so touristy that you wouldn't normally do it. You know, so when we were in America, we did do, as you remember, the tour bus guide of Hollywood, which broke down twice. Never again. Never again. We came back. I was so frozen to death. It was so cold. It gets really cold at night in, in California. And uh, we started off blazing sunshine and finished up practically dying on this bus where they had to send another one for us. It was, it was very interesting. But uh, again, it just all it adds to it. So if you get the opportunity, take a boat down the Thames today. If you're an elderly person, if you can afford it, take a boat down the Thames. You won't regret it. And you, and you can talk, to, talk. If you're elderly, you can talk to people. You know you can talk to people. You just sort of go, have you been on the bit of this boat before? And you, before you know where you are, you've struck up a conversation. Tourists love talking to people. Because there's, nobody in London talks to anybody. You're frightened to talk to somebody. But tourists absolutely adore it. Hello. I sometimes stop tourists and try and look a bit casual. And they go, excuse me, do you know where so-and-so is? And I go, absolutely. I was on the bus the other day. And there was a Chinese man on the, on the bus. And he said to the driver, Waterloo? And the driver said, yeah, we're going to Waterloo. So when we get to Waterloo, the bus thing indicates on it says Waterloo. And the voiceover says, London, Waterloo. And we get off the bus. He goes, excuse me, excuse me, to me. And so I turned round, because I thought it was somebody begging. And, um, and he said, Waterloo? I said, straight over there. It's straight over the road. Couldn't I said, you know, mainline station. That's a, twice I've done it now. Makes you feel quite proud, because most of the time I'm rubbish. I can't remember anywhere. 
Somebody says to me, where is Paddington? I've got no idea. I completely lose my bearings. But at least I was able to find uh, Waterloo and to direct him in the right area. And he seemed quite happy. I got a whole family the other week. Whole family. I sent them, you know, off to change at Clapham Junction. So thought it was brilliant. Uh, don't forget the uh, the poor man's milkshake at school in the 1950s, says Dave. The third of a pint bottles left out of the crate in the snow till the cream top froze and rose from the bottle. as like a lolly of ice cream. Do you know, I used to do that and I never used to like the cream on top of uh, milk. I'm a bit different now. I'm a bit different now, but I'm, I'm very mindful of what I was told the other day um, to uh, buy our, our chef, Phil, Phil Vickery about uh, the gold top milk and how many calories there are in it. <laughs> I've been very wary ever since. I'm, I'm trying to be good. But yesterday I ran out of water. I actually ran out of water. And I know you say you can drink from the taps, but unfortunately I'm that mamby-pamby. I can only drink bottled water. I wouldn't drink... I haven't drunk out of the taps for about 25 years. I wouldn't. I don't know why. Somebody said to me there were th- bits in it and stuff. I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I know it's supposed to be clean now, but I just do bottled water. So, in fact, today when I get home, I'm going to go out and buy a crate of that pure water, because I think it looks quite nice, and always keep it in the fridge, because I, I just get so thirsty. It's the diabetes, and if you go through a really bad day with it, you just get so unbelievably thirsty. You can't really... It's just awful. And all I had to drink yesterday was milk, but I didn't drink the gold top milk. I just drank the semi-skimmed milk, and that's uh, that's good. Jonathan's come back to apologise for any offence caused by the... It was a poor... It was a very poor attempt at humour. I always have to knock people back. When you talk to me about uh, about the death of a child a four-year-old who died of a huge cardiac arrest, I'm afraid nothing, nothing ever comes close to it. It's just, it's, it's, the thing, it's the thing guaranteed to really get me sitting on that spike, feeling like you want to commit the most heinous acts against these people, especially when the, you know, because they'd fed this little girl drugs throughout her four years. She, she was born, she was a drug addict, and they carried on feeding her with um, all sorts of things, heroin, methamphetamine, everything. She was four years old. And then when they were sentenced, the father went, whatever. I mean, I'd have leapt over the dock and strangled him. Seriously, I mean, I just... You just... Oh, dear God. And then you get these blooming social workers who missed it three times. They're just inept. Totally, totally and utterly inept. And that's why the Daily Mail today talk about the social workers who knew this girl was at risk before her addict mother gave birth. So why are these people still in jobs? Who are they? Let's find out who they are. What do they do? Do they just faff around? It's really, it really gets my goat. It really does. Uh, Steve, yes, the Thames Clipper from the O2 down to the I. It's brilliant. Summer, winter, well worth doing, says Iceman. I think it's great. It also gives you an opportunity to see London from where it should be seen, which is, which is by the river. If you go down the river, you can see everything. And they have a, you know, they do sort of somebody telling you what to see. You see the, one of the oldest pubs, the, the Prospect of Whitby. You'll see where they used to hang the people. Uh, on the the, uh, the steps and the people at the pub over the road used to wait for the uh, the pirates to be drowned uh, for two tides. I mean, really, really, you know, just, I mean, a good thing to do. If, you, if you're new in the capital, then that's you should do that because it gives you an opportunity to see things and then you can tell people about it. That's why, you know, on the radio, when you talk about the history of London, it's amazing. And when Ray Davis said to me, he came in for an in-conversation, we talked about Waterloo Sunset because uh, he's, he's just become a sir. Which we, we, we had a great in-conversation. I tell you, we had such a good in-conversation. He said to me, he said, he said you really... I mean, it was one of those nice conversations, but as they all are. But he said, you've really got a handle on it. Because he, there was that line, as long as I gaze on Waterloo Sunset, I am in paradise. And I said, 
I do that walk. Well, not necessarily now over the bridge, but I have done it in the summer. And I used to, when we were in Fleet Street, I would drive over Waterloo Bridge and at half past five in the morning, I would stop on Waterloo. But this is going to be the saddest thing you've ever heard in your life. Try and pull yourselves together. OK. And I would play Feed the Birds, Tuppence a Bag, while staring at Sir Christopher Wren's St Paul's Cathedral. How tragic is that? And I'm telling you, that was the best thing ever. Because at that time of the morning, there was no traffic. Just all the lights on in London. And London looked great. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to LBC. If you're a new listener, then you're especially welcome. Five o'clock today, about five o'clock, because we're five hours behind Washington. They kick off at... uh, Sorry, they're actually ahead of us. We're, we're, We're ahead of them. Oh, that's right. So they actually kick off at 12... But over here, it'll be about five o'clock. And uh, Ian Dale's over there, Matt Fry, Nigel Farage and Katie Hopkins. And uh, they'll be covering it. It'll be very interesting. Very, very interesting. And uh, will we get words from him? I'd like to think we would. But I should imagine at the moment, he's probably thinking about a million and one things. I've never seen one of these inaugurations before. I know they spend lots of money. He, he'll, he'll actually do his, his traditional speech and, uh, and then he'll be waving at Farage, I'm imagining. And the other, Nigel, come, come, come up here. What if he'd be on stage with him? That would be interesting. You don't think so? I'd like to think he would be, actually. I'd like to, I'd like to think secretly at the last minute, he goes, is, is Nigel here? Or, or Farage has sent him a text message going, I'm here. And we're going, come up on stage, come on. I'd like, I'd like to think that. I could be wrong. Because he's already announced who his ambassador is going to be to the uh, United Kingdom. And he's terribly rich. He's a billionaire, I believe. So he's very, very rich. Strangely enough, he didn't vote for, uh, for him at all. He went for the other bloke who got knocked out, didn't he? He was actually supporting Jed Bush, wasn't he? Interesting. To be honest with you, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of left a little bit sort of perplexed by American politics, as indeed I'm sure many of you are. So all we know is they spend lots of money on all this razzmatazz and there'll be, there'll be millions of be people sitting there, poor, poor Mexicans, blowing balloons up. And then obviously every so often, bang! You know, because you've got to, there'll be hundreds and hundreds and thousands of balloons that will descend from the ceiling. They always do, don't they? Whereas I myself favour confetti cannons. I like a good confetti cannon. Always frightens people a little bit more. Uh, Steve, I had to get up and put the kettle on as I'm laughing over the Beckham imitation. I think it's about the most accurate one that you're ever going to hear, especially the time he gets round to being on. I mean, that's what people can't understand, really. David Beckham, not, you know, people don't have him down as being the most articulate person. They have him down as just, it's David Beckham. He's married to Victoria, the ex-Spice Girl, and they've got children who pop up all over the place, either as baristas or models or something like that. They're obviously the all-important Von Trapp family, but just the Beckham version, which is slightly cheaper. Dave goes to the gym, and he's got a motorbike, and he wears clothes that he apparently designs... And Brooklyn likes to wear his clothes as well. well. That's nice, isn't it? I never found the need to wear my father's clothes, but times they are changing. And so they're going to put him on Desert Island Disc to celebrate their 75th anniversary. I shouldn't imagine he's even heard the programme. I shouldn't imagine that David Beckham goes home and goes, can we listen to Steve Allen? You know, I don't think he's ever going to be like that. Victoria would, because we know that the, uh, the family used to listen all the time. So, uh, so that's it. Jason, my uh, cold as brass monkey sovereign man. You must be frozen. It's freezing out there this morning. He says, but he said at least it's Friday. Off to Sheffield tomorrow. Oh, no, I'm not too sure about Sheffield. Why, why Sheffield in the news recently? Sheffield in the news because Sheffield's always in the news, isn't it? People like to talk about it. There was, yes, yeah, apparently people in Sheffield are really poor. Really poor. I don't know why it is that sort of. I always feel sorry for people for, from Sheffield. 
So if, if somebody says to me, oh, Steve, I'm from Sheffield, I was going, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And uh, th- this was the place I went to. Do you remember? I got lost in Sheffield. I pulled into Sheffield. I've got the car with me. Different car from this one. And uh, I said to the woman, I'm looking for so-and-so. Cost you a pound, she said, for children in need. She was collecting for children in need. And... Um, and so I gave her the pound and then she told me it was just over the road. I'd missed it completely. But it's nice, actually. I mean, a typical full-time worker in the city suffers a pay penalty of £1,750 a year. Low pay capital, hourly rates, 10% below the national average. That's why a lot of people who, who, who work in and around Sheffield as sort of workers, uh, they actually come down to London because it's, it's new to them. You know, carpets, electricity central heating. It's all something exciting for them to, to take back. And they, they generally phone up family. Hello, Mum. I'm standing in my vest and pants. Steve Allen Memorial Collection. I've got vest and pants and there's heating in this place. You know, because they're not used to this. They're not used to it. So it's, it's quite nice, actually. So uh, if, you're from, if you're from Sheffield this morning, hello. <laughs> you have to do that. It make, makes them feel welcome, doesn't it, really? Can't... I, I can't bear them, really. But, I mean, I just, I just do that because I've, I, I have been up to it. It was like setting your clock back about 300 years. Seriously, I went into a pub in Sheffield. There were men in moon boots. Remember moon boots? I'd never seen men in moon, moon boots unless it was at the Gay Pride rally. Uh, Steve uh, says, Wally, your uh, show makes me strong for the day. That's what I... Uh, I thought I should go into a song, shouldn't I, about being strong? But I can't think of one at the moment. Oh, there is one. Wally, we're strong. It's that proud song, isn't it? Robbie Williams did one, but who's the woman who sang it? Whatever makes you proud. Um, Heather Small. I like that song, actually. I like Heather Small. Lovely voice. Uh, Anna says, I've had plenty of dealings with social workers and even now not fit for purpose. It's, it, I've read too many stories about social workers and they've missed something that is glaringly obvious. You know, a child who they knew about. I'm beginning to sound like a, a parrot, I'm afraid, repeating this. But they knew that she was at risk before she was born, they knew she was at risk. And then they sort of assessed the family and they went, oh, no, she'll be all right with them. They were drug dealing, drug takers. They couldn't care less about her. They weren't bothered. I just want to know why she had a different name from everybody else. Sometimes they have to protect themselves or something. And when they go to prison for 13 years each, that's all a child's life is worth nowadays. 13 years is nothing, is it? Don't you think at the end of the day, you'd like to make sure that you really got some sort of retribution? Mick says, have you ever heard of a social worker saving a child's life? Well, they probably exist. It's just that, you know, they don't exist enough because that's what they're paid to do. You shouldn't have to put somebody in the papers because what they're paid to do. This is what people are not being paid to do. And they don't they don't do it. They don't. They're not fit for purpose. There's been too many children, little children who've died. And social workers were just going, mm-hmm. I want to know who these social workers are who miss these opportunities. Who are they? Or will they claim it's victimisation because they're being named and shamed? It's disgusting. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be allowed to be a social worker. Uh, Steve, I want to ask David Beckham. If when manager Alex Ferguson told you you could go on to be a Manchester United legend or a model, but you can't be both, are you happy you chose to be a model? Says Andy. <laughs> a bit cruel. I mean, he was, I can't remember actually how long ago, because I don't follow these things, that David Beckham was actually playing football. But it's obviously quite some time ago, isn't it, when you think back. He retired within the last five years, and then he just did, uh, did the, uh, dud? He just did the endorsements for, you know, the Steve Allen vest and pant collection, and uh, whiskey and leather jackets and a motorbike and all. That's all he is. He's just sort of a model now. 
And I think you'll find that he stopped in 2013. I think that was with uh, Paris Saint-Germain. Saint-Germain. Look at me, big, all exotic and knowing about things. I don't know why. But uh, 2009, he played for England. Uh, 94 to 96, so he had two years there. It's always sort of, you know, a couple of years. Three years last time playing for England in the national team. 115 caps. Oh, no, sorry, 115 appearances. I don't know how many caps he had, actually. 115, is it? Do you get a cap every time you play? Wow. What if that works in radio? He had the record, didn't he? 115 caps. Good God. What do you, do they, is it physically a cap? What do they do with them? They come in a box or something. Are they all hanging on a wall somewhere in one of their many houses? Which is like, they can't settle, can they? The poor thing. I suppose, you know, if you move too far out of town, she's probably said, but the press won't be able to find us. I don't mind that. Uh, they might be. Coming up to the news at six o'clock, being Friday morning, we'll have a couple of clips in this part of the programme uh, of the two guests who'll be joining me for In Conversation this week. Two super... I know I say it every week, but I really, truly mean that, you know, every week they are very special. And this week is no different at all. So we have um, we have Jack Whitehall, the comedian, and we have Jim Carter from Downton Abbey. And it's two super conversations. You really learn a lot more about these people. They're always very, very nice. And now it turns out that Jack Whitehall's mother listens to this programme. I'm just going to have to be really nice about her because she sounds like a marvellous person. (laughs) That's what he told me to say. He told me to say that. I fib, of course. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Friday. I know you can leap up and down as if you were... as if you were Jedward... Although Jedward are sli- slightly peculiar, I think. Mind you, I think most people in the Big Brother house are slightly peculiar. In fact, I think they're all peculiar. I don't think there's anybody in there who's normal. Although, oddly, as I said at the beginning of the programme, uh, Kim, from How Clean Is Your House, uh, has boosted the ratings. Because the rest of them are just dullards. Not one of those people could ever rate on a television programme. It's like putting Eamon Holmes on a quiz show. It'll never rate because it's safe, comfortable hands. Eamon, it's not, there's, no, there's no cutting edge about it or anything like that. It's so funny, I was watching this Rick Edwards. Is it Rick Edwards? He's hosting a quiz on BBC where he's trying to be all sort of thing. And yet, really, the filth that he's done on some of these disgusting quiz shows he's been on, I'm almost quite horrified that they've actually sort of put him onto anything that, that involved mainstream television. The last thing I saw is where they have a, a quiz show. It's called Safe Word or something like that. It is just absolute filth. It almost makes celebrity juice look positively normal, which, of course, it isn't. But uh, dreadful programme. And now they put him on this programme on the BBC where he's sort of... It's called Impossible. Is this the new quiz? Impossible. A bit like his career, I suppose. But this other thing, it, it had the, the most awful people on it using the most awful language. I'm obviously becoming, as I become a little bit older and head into my 50s, I'm obviously becoming sort of Victor Meldrew. I've started complaining about everything. I don't want to hear bad language on the television. But you can't uh, change somebody's spots. They've sort of tried to make him look as though he's sort of, you know, a, a sort of a, a sort of a, you fight it out for a 10 grand prize. And uh, he mainly worked at Channel 4. And, uh, you know, it's the, the, the other programmes he's done have just been really under the radar. You know, just filth, just filth. And now they put him on this programme here. So he's got this sort of this new quiz. I mean, how many more blooming quizzes do we need on the television? Can't we have something a bit more entertaining? Is it not possible to have something, you know, without it being either, please, a quiz show, a antiques programme or a cookery programme? Can't they find something else? You know, there must be something. But, you know, a baffling new quiz. I mean, is that why is that why people sit there and they become sort of tied into the settee and they sit there watching and they go, oh, this is really interesting? Because most of the people on there have got the faintest idea. 
I mean, I've seen so many quizzes on the television. I like it if it's somebody I know presenting the quiz, because then I warm to it a bit more. So I, I can cope with the chase quite easily with, with Bradley Walsh. I can cope with, um, with anything that the Pointless Boys do, because I like them and I've, I find them very entertaining. I just think they work really well together, and that is a, is a difficult thing to get on television. Very difficult. It kind of works with Bradley, because he takes the mickey out of the, uh, out of the people who seem to know the answers to everything. They're a bit like Daphne. Is it, it MI5? Poor old Daphne, honestly. I, used to, I miss her, really, on Eggheads. I do miss her. <laughs> Sue Ann says, I went to put a romantic note on uh, Suter's ca- uh, car. Trouble is, it's too dark. I must act my age. You must, absolutely. And you mustn't put notes on cars. Some cars have got cameras on there now. You can find yourself appearing on the television. Do you know this mad woman? Could be dead dreadful. Uh, Steve, it's so cold in Muswell Hill, I did see a brass monkey crying on the other side of the road. That's John, my other sovereign driver. Well, I saw three, three brass monkeys. Two had lagged themselves outside. That's how cold it was this morning. And uh, thank you, the other Danny Cohen, very much indeed. Anna is fascinated by Donald Trump and says, I wish I was going to the inauguration. Do you? Oh, just listen to it on the radio. It'll be so much easier. Because Simon Marks is, uh, is going to be doing it as well. Lovely Simon. So that's great. And, uh, and Tracy says, I'm reading the article about the little girl that died, uh, Poppy. And it's absolutely disgusting. This pair only got 13 years. I can't believe in today's world the care system is still failing these children. It's a very upsetting read. It's, it's, it's not so much upsetting now. It's almost got to the point of annoyance. And I want to know who these people are. But, of course, the council will, will protect them, even though they are failures, as far as I'm concerned. As the Daily Mail says, why are these people still in jobs? A child has died. Because they missed it, because they were so inept. How how can a child how, how how can a child die and these people still be working? Probably wandering in today, laughing and joking and just going, well, just another child. Like they don't care anymore. It's awful. Really is dreadful. Burglary's out of fashion. As if I thought it ever went out of fashion. It can't be out of fashion. I keep seeing people on the television. You know, people who thieve every time. We had somebody in Twickenham yesterday, a very well-dressed man. It's always the ones, isn't it? They go out, the well-dressed ones, they thieve. We used to have a woman with a shopping trolley and she just went out thieving. She just put loads of food in there and walked out the door. Nobody stopped her. They just thought she had a shopping trolley. The 30 people dead in that Italian hotel avalanche. I mean, you can only hope that it happened really quickly. There was one man who got texts from his daughter and she said, you know, it's, it's not good and all the rest of it. And they texted a, a little while backwards and forwards and then she ceased to text. And when you look inside the hotel, because they've now got up to the hotel, two thirds of it is buried in the snow in the avalanche because the mountain just moved on top of the hotel. You'd always think, you know, I don't want to sort of sound like sort of somebody who's terribly cynical about it. But you know, if you're going to build a hotel, does it have to be near a mountain that is covered in snow that is also known for having avalanches, that is also known for having earthquakes? You know, when you look at how much people had to do out there just to actually get to it just to get to the hotel and then to get inside it and to see how much snow was in there. Anybody who was in there wouldn't have known what had hit them. This thing would have just hit, you know, and then the next thing, tons and tons of snow. I mean, drifts up to 15 metres tall, 15 metres tall. I mean, that's just 15 feet tall. That's just absolutely unbelievable. But uh, but the rescue teams have actually gained access. I'm always in admiration of the journalists who managed to get out there with a film crew and start filming. And, and, and you think, how do they get there, these people? That's what brings you all the, uh, the pictures and all the, the, uh, 
the things that you hear about somebody's dreadful disaster, a natural disaster. But even so, you know, the Prime Minister has spoken to the rescue teams. They've been working around the clock since this happened and they've got some equipment in there now. But unfortunately, they are. They are actually trying to uh, to sort of they think there's 30 people in there. They found two people already. But because the hotel is buried under so much, I mean, the only thing that's visible is the top bit of the hotel, the actual swimming pool. They've been down into the hotel and the ice and the snow came right up to the edge of the swimming pool. So you can imagine all the... It just goes down the corridors. Really terrible. Really, really terrible. Give me some good news. Oh, Charlie Girling's got good news. She says, you're confirmed for Robert Carlyle for train spotting two next week. Now, I know one of our boys out there on the news desk uh, went to see train spotting two the other day and he said it was fantastic. He said it was fantastic. So uh, so that's that's good news. So Robert Carlyle confirmed for in conversation. I like that, actually. I like that. I did lose one guest. He's a big American star. And the reason I, I lost him, I'm not going to tell you who it is. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm a bit embarrassed about it. He can only do late recordings. But, of course, I, I finish I finish at seven in the morning. You know, if it's, say, five hours, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, that's four hours after I finish. And it probably might be later than that, which is a shame because I really wanted to talk to this person. But anyway... And uh, Ellie from Sheffield says, we've just heard that Sean Bean will be arriving shortly uh, to um, to put you right about Sheffield. Oh, not Sean Bean. Oh, anybody but Sean Bean. Uh, we need more antique shows, Steve. David Harper. No, we don't want David Harper on anything at all. Absolutely not. He's very irritating, very annoying, very sort of very smug. So we don't want that. I do like, though, no, the Father Brown series. Mark Williamson, excellent as the priest. It is. It's good, isn't it? I, I, I can cope with things like that. But I still like Colombo better because I'm that sort of uh, person. Muslim schools in the papers today. Well done to them. Top marks for teaching. Top marks. They're way in ahead uh, of everything else. So well done to them. The uh, uh, people came out the other day for uh, Rick Parfitt's funeral. I find it difficult to believe, actually, that Rick Parfitt's not here. But there again, I find it difficult to believe that Terry Wogan's not here either. All the people you just expect are there. If you see them on the television, if you see the clips. And uh, Rick Rick Parfitt, the uh, three ex-wives all turned up to the funeral. Because you would, wouldn't you? You're an ex-wife of Rick Parfitt. It was, must have been a time where you were sort of madly in love with him. Uh, the Brits are now back on the booze. Uh, after Christmas, we'll go, oh, we're stopping. I don't. But I mean, other people say we're, we're now going to stop boozing because we're on a diet. And then they go, well, we've had enough of that. We're, we're... It's called dry January. And to be honest with you, I mean, it's just a pile of old rubbish. Nobody cares about dry January. It's, it's a nice thing to have. And I've got friends of mine, really boring, dull friends who go, oh, I've now been three weeks without any drink. And I go, don't talk to me about it. I don't want to know. I don't care. I really don't care. Uh, the bare-knuckle fighter who died of cancer at the age of 82, the family have decided to spend money, or as I call it, wasting money. But it's their money. They can do what, with it what they want. Having him frozen in this cryogenics, hopefully in the future he'll be thawed out. To do what? To talk to people. I mean, his brain will have gone by that time. We'll have to have a brain transplant. I mean, who will he be talking to? All his family will be dead. He'll have nothing in common with anybody. He won't have any, any house. He won't have anywhere to live. What are we going to do with these people? You know, and there are some people who believe that you just freeze the part of the body that isn't working. So if you've had a brain tumour, they just freeze your head and attach it to what? When they sort of eventually come out the other side. I just don't believe it. 
I think it's a way of taking money off people, and it's quite a, a quite a big amount of money. There was that poor girl, the fourteen-year-old girl. She's been frozen in a container with four other people. How much was it? Thirty-eight, thirty-eight thousand pounds. And you think, I don't believe it. They've never actually thawed somebody out and done something. Why don't they try it as an experiment? Try, you know, should they not have done this beforehand? How do you convince somebody, you know, to sort of give you thirty-eight thousand quid and just get? Well, actually, well, they're in liquid nitrogen. Really? You know, and she's in with three other people in this in this cylinder. So she's she's dead. And then eventually they're going to take her out and they're going to they're going to sort of make her well again. I just don't see it. Perhaps I'm too cynical. Perhaps I'm way too cynical. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. My new job, says Dean, means I shall miss the last hour of your show. Well, you just have to cancel the job. I'm not messing around. You can't just opt into a programme for a couple of hours because you've decided to take a job. What do you think is going on? Jack in Coach Trip from says, what do you call the man with a number plate on his head? It's Reg. Thank you. I bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? A mile off. And uh, and somebody went into the canteen the other day in London Road. And uh, I went in for breakfast. Not me. I didn't. But uh, the power of Alan waiting to see if I turn... Actually, I was in Marks and Spencer's and the lady next to me was talking to the lady who was working at Marks and Spencer's and said, have, have you mentioned it to Steve Allen? I said, why do people talk about me in the third party? I'm here. Dick, I've never really liked it, honestly, people talking. I'm not surprised, says Ben, that um, Kim on Big Brother has boosted the ratings. It needed somebody mature to actually show up how narcissistic the other contestants are, which just goes to show how childish they are and how, how pathetic they are. And so that was right. I didn't see the programme about embalming. People propped up at their own funerals. They do that a lot in, I think it's um, not Mexico, but somewhere similar, where somebody could be sitting behind the wheel of their car or something like that. Alan says, wonderful programme this morning. Your great impression of David Beckham reminds me of Harry Enfield. It wasn't supposed to be Harry Enfield. It was supposed to be David Beckham. I realise it, was, it wasn't really as good as that. But, you know, I did, I did my best. Uh, Noreen's still in an awful lot of pain which uh, she suffered some time ago. She says, we've just come downstairs and Brian has made coffee. As I'm so... Oh, it's awful to be in pain. I listen, I I get it every so often. She said, um, you mentioned Victor Meldrew. Brian has had a a Victor Meldrew moment. He was in the checkout queue in a well-known store when the large trolley in front of him had all their purchases scanned. The till roll wasn't, wasn't right, so they did it all again, which took forever. Brian commented that maybe they could have redone it at another till. Uh, so there was quite a queue forming. So the supervisor gave him a box of chocolates to shut him up. Please forgive the typing. Don't worry. Listen, I have days like that. Noreen, I wish you better. And uh, hope you have a, a nice weekend. Somebody listens to you, uh, to me. Sorry, I was talking about myself here. In Kitzbühel. It's nice, isn't it? I'll tell you what, should we, should we do the in conversations? We'll do the in conversations. Because the first person I'm in conversation with... Uh, tomorrow is a comedian, an actor, television presenter, best known for his stand-up work, but he's also become a very successful actor. He played JP in the television comedy drama Fresh Meat, as well as Alfie Wickers in the sitcom Bad Education. He also presents a chat show with his father, Michael. It's Jack Whitehall. And he told me the rehearsal, because we were talking about the Royal Variety performance, didn't quite go as planned. They had that dog um, from Britain's Got Talent. The talking dog. Uh, the, yeah. Which isn't a talking the, the dog. The one that the, there was the controversy about. Oh, the two dogs. The, the two dogs. The two dogs, yeah. yeah. So it was that dog, and um, she'd made a little play with this dog. And the play was that there was one dog pushing along a pram, and then the hero dog, uh, then a, a, a baddie dog comes on, leans into the pram, 
takes our little bundle and runs away with the, the baby. And then the hero dog chases down the dog, catches it, takes the bundle back, pops it in the pram, the bundle opens and it's a little chihuahua. So it was a really sweet story. A, yeah, a really sweet story about, you know, a kidnap and a rescue. They do the rehearsal. The baddie dog comes on, takes the bundle away, runs away. The hero dog comes on and then just leaves and just runs off into the crowd and she's shouting at it to come back. <laughs> the music's still going and the, the performance continues, but the dog never returns. And then the, sh the, the music ends and I walk on. And what we've just witnessed is a play that is played out about the kidnap of a child that is never returned. And I said, right, that cannot, we cannot air that. that there, there will need to be a happy ending to that story. Otherwise, it's just a harrowing dog pantomime about this like horrible story. And so then on the night, we're all terrified that that's going to happen again. And, and thankfully, the dog did return with the thing. But it was, it was touch and go. It was lovely. Actor and comic Jack Whitehall, who's in conversation with me this weekend, as well as Jack, I'll be talking to a man who started his acting career in the late 1960s. He's built up a large body of theatre, movie and TV work, appearing in films such as Brass Off, Shakespeare in Love and Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. Lately, though, most likely to be recognised for his role in the hugely successful television series Downton Abbey, playing Mr Carson the butler. It's Jim Carter. I asked him if he knew much about the history of the house where Downton was filmed. No, we didn't know anything about Nothing it. Nothing about no, it. we turned up there. Um, Beautiful setting. Lovely setting. Chilly. It's on top of a hill, a little bit. Yes. <laughs> it always seems to be chilly I think there. that's where El Carnarvon is buried, isn't he, up on this hill? I think that's where his grave is. Uh, but there are all these follies round about. Yes. Uh, and um, it's the, I think it's the eighth Earl or seventh or eighth I Earl. Now. I, I forgot to count properly while I was there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think I would have done that, wouldn't you? <laughs> so what did they do? They actually had the house... And then, presumably, off-camera were all the caravans and the dressing rooms and makeup and everything. Yeah, yeah, there was a, a sort of a big car park um, off to the sort of to the side where we'd set up our gypsy camp encampment of caravans and catering and wow. portable loos and stuff like that. About a couple of hundred yards down from the house, and then up to the house to to film. You know, hours of my life spent standing on those front doorsteps, <laughs> watching Rolls Royces sweep in and out, <laughs> the hunt gathering, uh, opening doors. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you've often said that you could never actually be a butler. I couldn't take the routine. It was no. the routine. I mean, they live by the clock, you know, yes. so the routine of getting the family dressed and doing this and that and you, you know, serving, you know, be standing at attention for breakfast. You think, oh, get your own breakfast. Get on yes. with it. It is, you know. it is very much upstairs, downstairs, them and us, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Completely yeah. different. Although, I mean, in, you know, we showed them working very harmoniously. I mean, I suppose like a very good stage management team and a troupe of actors, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, and our, we were lucky that our family in, in Downton were very benign and nice to us. They were know. very nice. Yeah. So a Downton movie? Who knows? I mean, oh well, you must know. You can't no, not know. Would no, they no, not no. Have... no, I really don't. The, really? A nobody's seen the script. I mean, whether there is mm. one or not, nobody's seen. It's been talked about more by you guys than by us. I know. Um, and because we want, you know. It. I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm really not sort of hiding anything. I haven't seen the script. There's, you know, until until you've signed on the dotted line and tried on the costume. There's no film. He's such an interesting man. In fact, they're both really, really interesting people this week. Every week they're interesting. Honestly, I, I've got the best job in the world, I have. That's Jim Carter, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with the fabulous Jack Whitehall. You can hear me talking to them both tomorrow morning from 6am after the best of Steve Allen. It's then repeated on Sunday evening 
from 9pm and you can download it from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet. So, uh, so Jim has got this event which is taking place up at the Tricycle Theatre in Kilburn. Uh, one of them, it's him, it's called In Conversation actually. He's interviewing various people uh, like Danny Boyle and he's also got Dame Maggie Smith and, um, and he's, he's got loads of other people. It's, it's really good actually. And, uh, and Dame Judy Dench as well. I think they're both on the same bill. In fact, I'm pretty certain they're both on the same bill. Uh, Jack Whitehall is touring the country. In fact, he was he was running home yesterday. Then I think he was up to Peterborough yesterday because he had a, a show to do up there. Seriously, I mean, boundless energy. But he's only young. And his mum listens. So I'm trying to... I'm kind of going to be advising his mother. Don't, don't listen to the last bit of the programme with him. He's a bit rude. Well, he's not that rude, but then he makes me become rude. We, we debated whether or not we were leaving it in. And to be honest with you, we're leaving it in. Yeah, Jim Carter is in conversation with Paul Greengrass, uh, plus the Bourne Ultimatum, in conversation with Judy Dench and Maggie Smith, and then uh, Danny Boyle. So he's doing what I do, but he's, he's worked with most of them, so it doesn't really make too much difference. So uh, that's up at the Tricycle Theatre. They've got a website. I think it's Tricycle Theatre... Uh, or tricycle, just tricycle.co.uk. Go and check it out because there's, I mean, the opportunity of seeing any of these people on a stage in a small room, I think it only holds about 100, and uh, you can ask questions as well for the aficionados this is, and it raises much needed funds for the Tricycle Theatre. So I'm very grateful that he came in, but you'll enjoy that interview tomorrow. And, uh, and Jack as well, who's just, he's like an, he's like an overenthusiastic puppy. He seriously is. We just laughed a lot during the programme, which will probably become terribly irritating, but uh, I do it. And uh, and Charlie Girling has such a crush on... Wasn't he super yesterday? She sat in the corner of the room. Normally she's sort of trying to sort out bits and pieces, but I did catch her guffawing on a few occasions. So if you hear somebody laughing during the Jack Whitehall interview, that'll be Charlie Girling. OK? Thought I'd tell you that now. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to 7. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning at 7. As Julian Assange confirms he's willing to leave the Ecuadorian embassy. Now Chelsea Manning's going to be released. Nick will be asking, was the WikiLeaks founder a force for good or evil? Nick will also be revealing the next step in his Gardar Medical Services campaign. Now over 100,000 of you have supported it. Also following the latest anti-Trump march ahead of his inauguration Later today. That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from seven on LBC. It's about 10 hours and a, and a little bit before the inauguration kicks off. I can't wait to see it, actually, and hear what, what people are saying about it. So you get the best descriptions on LBC. Carol celebrates a birthday today, 76, and she's had two cards. It doesn't bode well for the future, does it? And Adam from Coach Trip comes up with what you call a man with a receipt on his head. Bill. Thank you. Honestly, <laughs> small wonder we are headlining the Christmas cracker industry. Georgina comes up with the best one. She says the pub industry suffers low takings in January due to dry January. So it's my duty to keep drinking all year round. She's good, isn't it, really? And Rob says I'll make, uh, I'm sure making up for it today because it's, it's Friday and Friday's the opportunity for you to put your feet. But of course, you can't drink, can you? And the reason you can't, is you've got no money because you don't get paid until next week. The amount of people I know now are checking their bank accounts on a, on a daily basis to see whether they can eke it out. So should we have a look at the, uh, the papers and see what they're saying uh, in the world? I mean, ahead of, ahead of Trump, they've got no idea. It's, you know, it's all up in the, uh, in the air. But uh, the interesting thing is that now you've got Strictly's Ricky. This is Ricky Whittle, not the other Ricky. Uh, he's the latest household name to be caught up in the online sex tape leak control. 
He was runner-up in 2009 before he moved to America to pursue his acting career. He's ex-Hollyoaks and um, uh, loads of people have done it, loads of Americans. Doesn't seem to have harmed their career. Well, I say it doesn't seem to have harmed their career. Generally, the Americans go into meltdown over this, this kind of thing. And so he says the tape could ruin him. Well, don't do it then. I mean, I can't, I can't help but point out to somebody that, you know, you don't do things like that. Because at some point, with all the technology that there is nowadays and the amount of people trying to catch celebrities out, there is the danger that you think you're talking to glorious Alexis from wherever, from Russia, the Baltic coast, and she asks you to do things. The answer is no, thank you. But unfortunately, obviously, Ricky Whittle is sort of, you know, one of those who's fallen under the, uh, under the radar. He's devastated. Oh, kind of tough. I haven't got any sympathy, really. If you do it, you get caught. And there's quite a few other. There's another one, which will probably hit the papers tomorrow, I should imagine. That's uh, West End star Adam Garcia. He's another one who's got another one of these tapes out. That one emerged yesterday. And there's another one as well. There's another one. I omit to try. I'm trying not to mention these other ones. But then I discover that people are sort of saying, ah, did you know about so-and-so? It's almost like an epidemic. It's almost like a badge of honour. And before you ask, no, I haven't. Nobody's ever asked. Well, to be honest with you, I mean, it be worth bothering with anyway in the first place. Uh, and nice to see Amber Heard out there, having sort of got the money from uh, from Mr Depp, which she's giving to charity. She managed to bag herself a billionaire. I, see, I got a bit confused by this one. I thought she was into women. I mean, are people very confused in America? I'm certainly confused over here. I'm certainly confused by a family uh, who over in America, where it turns out that the son is, uh, is transitioning from boy to girl and the husband is transitioning from is it the husband yeah it's tra- no the wife is transitioning into male oh very confusing actually yeah so this, they've got two in the same family two people transitioning in the same family uh louis tomlinson has split from his girlfriend which is not the most exciting thing i've ever read i couldn't really care less uh more on the avalanche buried alive in this hotel which just vanishes when you look at it, you would seriously think it was maybe a chalet you were looking at, but of course it's not. Uh, also, jiving Miss Daisy back on the dance floor, as if anybody cares. As I say, this woman could walk through Leicester Square naked and nobody would have the faintest idea who she is. But uh, don't worry, Ricky, you won't be the last one. You are tomorrow's fish and chip paper. Uh, the Daily Mail, uh, the hair-raising world of Trump's new man in Britain. And then the sad, 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 sad story of Poppy Widdison, uh, who was born addicted to drugs and her life descended into probably the nightmare from hell. Her, uh, her mother plied her with drugs before she died and uh, the shocking social services failings were laid bare. Michaela Pike and her dealer boyfriend, John Writing, were both jailed for 13 years for forcing little Poppy into the mire of drugs and a life of utter degradation. They fed her just about everything, everything. Uh, Poppy, who was named after the plant that heroin comes from, was born a drug addict. And uh, the social workers did nothing, nothing. In fact, they even agreed at one point that she was safe to stay with two people who were both drug addicts and dealers. And they knew they were drug addicts and dealers. And the Daily Mail asked the question which every single person in this country would be asking, why are they still in jobs? Who are they? That's what we want to know. And uh, you guys are so personal. Uh, Nicole Shock as apparently uh, Jenny Murray probed her husband's lifestyle. This is uh, Keith Urban 
And so, all of a sudden, Jenny Murray gets to... It's very odd, this, actually. Somebody on the BBC actually having an opinion about something. Very rare in my books. Very rare. Uh, more on the tragic D from the moment she was conceived to the moment she died. You know, a four-year-old girl doesn't deserve to lose her life, suffering a, a massive cardiac arrest. And all they got was 13 years. And the, uh, and the bloke in it just went, whatever. I mean, seriously, that's, that's how... That's how depraved they must be. Daily Star today, ranting Big Brother's Kim, axing fear. Shouldn't imagine so. They won't be axing her anytime soon. She's pushed the ratings up. They were just about, you know, on their on their knees. And Kim Woodburn has, uh, has taken it up a level. Because people want to hear somebody telling these nobodies and these nymphomaniacs exactly what she thinks of them. Uh, David Beckham on Desert Island Discs. Can't wait to... They, it's going to take them ages to edit it. It must be, because this thing... They don't tell you. Oh, it goes out on the 29th of January. They'll be sitting there now, the sweat pouring off them, trying to make it sound interesting. Not got the most exciting voice, has he? Perhaps, they, perhaps they're going to put light and shade into it, and his voice said, Can I plug my whiskey? No, you can't. You can't plug your whiskey, Dave. Pants? No, you can't do pants either. Victoria? No, not really, no. Talk about your children and how sort of maybe uh, Brooklyn shares your clothes and how you become a designer. So that's basically a plug, isn't it? Because he hasn't done anything else. Not exactly saved world peace, has he? He hasn't gone out there and saved rhinoceros. Rhinoceri. And, or, or giraffes or, you know, woodlice or anything like that. He's just sort of pants, whiskey and leather jackets and a gym and that's about it, really. Not really... Not really the best thing, but I'm sure they'll, they'll turn it into something interesting. Uh, the Buried Alive photos are inside the, uh, the papers today. Trump is also facing the protests and the fear of assassination. And that's what everybody's saying. But um, the amount of press over there, phenomenal. Absolutely. Uh, also, the papers today are uh, quizzing the swinger lover of the lost airman. His mother, I believe, is a police officer. And she said that he was on a swinging website. This is Connor known on the website as Big C. Makes it sound like some joke out of a carry-on, doesn't it, really? But uh, anyway, he was on a swingers website, and basically the swingers have all rallied round saying, don't say anything. Because some of these people might be in positions of, uh, of trust with children or anything like that, which, you know, whilst I don't, I don't even know if these websites are legal or illegal, I, I really have got no idea. They're legal. They're all legal. But then, you know, if somebody's working with children and they're into bondage or something like that, people might be slightly wary. Or if somebody's running a scout troop. and they, Because anybody, I'm assuming, could be a swinger. You know, as, as two people told me this morning, but I suspect it was the same person, probably with those two phone numbers, you know, which some people have nowadays. And, um, and so it's, it, it's, it's quite interesting in so much as his mother told us about this and now it's all emerging. And they've already interviewed one person who came forward to say, uh, but this is, you know, I had a one-night stand with him, but I didn't know his name. That's what swingers do. They very rarely get to know people. They're just in it for the SEX. Uh, the Daily Mirror front page, uh, two headlines, but the main one is the 45th President of the United States, the world now holding its breath, and Quo's sad farewell to tragic Rick. And I don't know, actually, because I didn't, um, I didn't have a look earlier on as to exactly who turned up at the funeral. Because it was, uh, I'm led to believe it was sort of fairly prime. Let's have a quick look, see if we can find out, actually. Uh, the three, three wives were there. Oh, it was, a, it was a cremation. Many of Rick's pals and former bandmates, what looked like uh, backstage passes around their necks, bearing a photo of him. And uh, Francis Rossi, bidding a fond farewell. He looks like it's, oh, you know, you just don't, you don't want to hear things like that, do you? Spandau Ballet's uh, Tony Hadley, who's at the ceremony in Woking, where Rick was born and raised, says he's one of the nicer guys. 
And uh, there were also uh, floral tributes in the shape of Rick's famed white Fender telecast guitar, which were laid beside the chapel. Very sad, isn't it? Very, very sad. Heartbreaking message from Lily. One of the pair's eight-year-old twins says nothing will ever be the same. His first wife, Marietta, and their son, Rick Jr., attended alongside his second wife, Patty, and their son, Harry. Very sad, very sad for everybody. I think actually just generally funerals are, are very sad places. And, you know, when it's somebody you don't expect to go, I can imagine exactly how Francis Rossi is feeling because that's just awful. Here's a lovely picture of David Beckham. This is not sitting on an island under a coconut tree waiting for somebody to knock some sense into him. But uh, he's out with Kate Moss at a Louis Vuitton fashion show. Dave wearing sort of trainers. Uh, I don't know what trousers he's wearing. And a sweat, but wearing dark glasses. I'm sorry, Dave. Indoors? I don't think so, dear. Uh, Kate Moss can do it because generally she looks a bit bleary-eyed, but uh, not for you. And uh, what do people give the family who has everything? I was going to do this story earlier on. The family who has everything are the royal family. I mean, they've got a big palace and they've got a load of old tat and toot sitting in the basement. It's what people give them. And uh, so far, uh, among the most unusual presents, a totem pole, chocolate spoons and miniature ice hockey sticks. What in God's name do you think you're going to do with chocolate spoons? I think the Queen's going to be going, I think we'll have chocolate... Philip, chocolate spoons tonight? I've never even seen... Oh, it's hard to tell a lie. I have actually seen them. Uh, Prince George, whose three and 18-month-old Princess Charlotte were the biggest winners, they racked up 150 gifts between them uh, from Canada. They got all sorts of things, including clothes, toys, playmats, an array of presents from life jackets to a preserved rose. He's three. What in God's name do you think he's going to do with them? Uh, five-year-old Hayley Kane gave Kate soft toys for her daughter. And the Duchess told the youngster Charlotte loves her teddies. William was given a toy police dog. God. Uh, and, and a car for the children on a trip to the city's law enforcement headquarters. And uh, William said that they'll play with those... Oh, sorry. They'll play with those all afternoon. <laughs> Wills and Kate didn't do too badly. They got 130 gifts between them. That's a lot. It's a lot of presents, you know, even by my standards. And I get quite a lot of presents. Among other things, a paddle, uh, a woolly throw and a guitar. And they've got a candlestick holder. Among, and somebody got, somebody got a, a bunch of, um, it was like lemons in a basket or something like, it wasn't lemons, it was something similar. Ed Balls, still doing his silly showing off act, out on tour of Strictly. Couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every 11 minutes to seven. Uh, Andy says, until you did the impressions of David Beckham and the Queen, I never realised how similar they sound. I know. I know. And uh, somebody says, I was waiting behind David Beckham at a Coke machine the other day after he bought his 25th can. He turned to me and said, I'm on a winning streak here. People have a very low opinion of poor old Davy Boy Beckham. I'm sure he could hold his own. Well, I'm sure he can. And, um, and he'll be... He'll be on Desert Island Discs. I'm secretly hoping it's just going to be so funny. We're just going to laugh all the way through. A bit like Jack Whitehall. And Lisa says, I will not be irritated by all the laughing because laughter is the best medicine. It is, actually. You're absolutely right. And um, and he's uh, he's very good at it. He does laugh a lot, actually. Did I do what you call a man with a receipt on his head, Bill? Did we do that one from Adam? Yeah, thought we might have done. Uh, ants use the sun to navigate. I couldn't really care less. I mean, to be honest with you, what ants do is their, their business. It's nothing to do with me. I try not, get, not, not, not to get involved in ant politics. Makes it far too dangerous. Uh, the Daily Express today, Britain lines up the EU exit trade bonanza, the tearful farewell 
to status quo's Rick. They've got a picture of him looking really gaunt on the front page, which is uh, which is not a nice picture to see. I remember him when he was when he was not gaunt. And doctors hailed the life-saving benefits of statins as new research showed they could prevent blood clots. Who says so? Um, a lot of people, actually, a lot of people. But uh, it's the leading cause of death in hospital blood clots. Oh God. I was trying to ask Nick, um, not Nick, I was trying to ask James O'Brien the other day about, you know, what is, what is it with cancer? Do we all have it? And then something triggers it. And he said, well, it's cells, isn't it? It's all different cells. If a cell becomes infected or it fights something or whatever, then it, it might produce itself there. We don't know. That's, that's the trouble. We sort of pump as much money as we can into, into cancer research. But at the end of the day, we're kind of, you know, battling against the wind. It's not that easy to find out things. Um, there weren't that many big celebrities at Rick Parfitt's funeral. I thought, I mean, Tony Hadley and uh, Rick Parfitt Jr. Uh, and his wife, Rachel. It's all just a bit, just a bit sad. Just a bit sad. And then we've got the will to read. But mind you, we're still waiting for the George Michael will, aren't we? Which is, uh, which is an awful lot. Uh, the David Beckham picture is just Dave posing. And so, of course, uh, Kirsty says, 75 is a birthday worth celebrating and having David Beckham as my castaway seemed like the perfect gift. <coughs> Here we go. His sporting legacy, of course, is extraordinary. And along with his charisma... David Beckham. We're talking about the same person here. Uh, his cultural impact and humanitarian work. He's a modern man of many parts. I love it when they sort of... Uh, I love it when they sort of come up with these sort of things. He'll be a fascinating guest to welcome onto my little interview island. Dear, she's lost the plot, hasn't she? It's already been recorded, so she said this after it's been recorded. Uh, guests who've been on there. I mean, they've had Bill Gates and Tom Hanks, and now they've got... David Beckham. Must be the first time they've had somebody with that many tattoos on there. And <laughs> I just it's always interesting, isn't it? Well, I always think it's interesting. Uh, who is that? Oh, sorry, I've read out the Charlie having a bit of a crush on uh, on Jack Whitehall, which is a little bit embarrassing. And uh, I saw Davy Boy having uh, a lovely conversation the other day in Barnes. He was uh, he was talking to his sat nav. <laughs> A lot of people have uh, taken my advice from the other day when I said, yeah, if you want to learn another language, set your sat-nav to do it in French, Polish, anything you like, Urdu. And, uh, and that way, every time it says, you know, turn left, it does it in, say, Polish, you'll learn what the Polish for turn left is. And very shortly, by having conversations with Polish people about the travel, you know, I mean, provided you're sitting in a car with them and it's either turning left, right or straight over the lights. Or turn round wherever possible. That's the only way and the only thing you can ever talk about to Polish people if you've got... Sorry? Yes. Producer's learning French at the moment. We are doing very well indeed. We got as far as un, deux, trois, quatre, cinq, six, sept, huit, neuf, dix, onze, douze, treize, quatorze, quinze, seize, week, dix-neuf, vingt. And uh, vingt, which I think is, is spelt V-I-N-G-T, is it? That's twenty. Trente would be thirty. Caront would be 40, Sankant would be 50, Soissant would be, uh, well, we're back to the swinging side again. Anyway, so, moving on. <laughs> I quite like, I so wish I could do a programme in another language. <laughs> English would be helpful, I suppose. Uh, just what one has always wanted. Apparently, I mean, at one point, the Queen was given a teddy bear. But what they have to do, and I, I only tell you this now because I'm being a bit of a sneak and I watch the programme on Windsor Castle. If somebody comes over, like a a dignitary or somebody who's given them a gift from Saudi or whatever, like sort of, I think they got a silver palm tree, which looked really exotic and lovely, but they, they've got no room for it. 
She's got enough knickknacks. So it goes into storage. If that person comes over, they're so meticulous that they get it out and it will be displayed in a, in a prominent position so they can see the gift that they gave them. It's quite clever, really, isn't it? They're having a bit of a spring clean at the moment. Two weeks they've got to clean Windsor Castle. Uh, right up to the top, you know, very big entrance hall. The suits of armour will all be dusted off and then they'll be welcoming visitors in again, which is nice, isn't it? Uh, the I, the front page, the day the world changes, the 45th president of the United States sworn in as world leaders struggle to decipher the new order. Uh, there's also a picture of Britain's first six-generation family. They're all alive. They're all alive and they're all in there. And so they've got how many? Uh, Finley Mellor was born on Christmas Day. His family has more than one reason to celebrate. It's believed that his arrival makes his family the only one in the UK to span six generations. His great, great, great grandmother, Hilda, is 103. And there's 44 other family members. Amazing, isn't it, really? They've got a picture of them. The one thing they all have in common is they need to go on diets. OK, I mean that in a caring way. Uh, front page, very quickly, let's whiz through, shall we, of the Financial Times is uh, touchdown in Washington as the big day looms. A matter of hours away now, hours away. Uh, plus, uh, the mayor urged to swap the congestion charge for pay-per-mile plan in the clogged capital. You see, the congestion charge has made not a scrap of difference. In fact, if anything, as they proved the other day, the traffic in London is even worse now than it was before. I mean, it's, it's better if we all drove to Sheffield, ladies and gentlemen, and pootled around the one-way system. But in London, it's terrible. And their idea of making it easier is to sort of, well, let's charge more. That doesn't solve anything. There's loads of people who probably put it through on expenses. It just makes it very irritating for people going, why should I have to pay to come into the capital? I don't have to pay to drive into Southampton. And, of course, the truth of the matter is it's a money-making scheme. But what we get in return for it, I've got no idea. Have they built anything for us? Have they offered free? No, nothing at all. They just rake this, this millions and millions and millions in the... Guardian today, Natalie Portman, who says Trump is taking us backwards uh, on progress, presidents and Jackie. And also train spotting, too, from drug addiction to film directing. That's Danny Boyle, isn't it? We'll be looking forward to uh, Robert Carlyle coming into the studio next week. Daily Telegraph, secret messages of the First Lady's ball gowns. Are you ready for craft coffee? And Patsy Kensett, my mother's dying words inspired me. Prince, climate is wolf at the door. Charles urging leaders to meet challenges of global warning and a foreword to his new Ladybird book. Trump plans to shrink the government with $10.5 trillion in cuts. Wow. And uh, the flood of council tax rises feared as the town hall pushes for a 15% increase. That's not good, is it? Grammar schools far better for high achievers. And online fraud accounts for half of all crime. Plus, here's how to shame public porn watchers. I was talking to somebody in the office the other day. They said they were on a train and the person next to them was watching busty girls on their phone, on a train packed with people. I'd have pulled the emergency cord. I really would have done. Uh, I watched Five Minutes, Steve, of Celebrity Big Brother last night. I'm convinced Callum Bess uh, putting on that weird half-American accent he often slips out of. Well, they all do that, don't they? I mean, it's, it's all, it isn't the fact that he slips out of the accent. It's the fact that he's so boring. He's really dull. He just sits there with a cigarette on. And, uh, and all the girls, when I say girls, uh, sort of flock to sit at his knees and lit and... 
I could probably slip into an American accent and say, listen, if you're going to listen to uh, to Trump's inauguration later on. I mean, it's it's it, I know quite a few people who do it. If you've lived in America, then you do end up slipping into that thing. I'm trying desperately to slip into sort of Cockney, but that's not working, is it? Steve, uh, we've been having toasted cheese and tomato. Oh, yeah, that's old. Go away, Janice. They don't make them. They don't make toasted cheese sandwiches. Well, you know, you're just trying to wind me up on the programme. They've never done toasted ham and cheese. Ridiculous. Times uh, scan gives new hope to cancer sufferers. Protesters mass ahead of Trump's presidency. And uh, they're going to be uh, complaining everywhere. They're going to be complaining here and complaining in America. We just complain. That's all we do. We complain. Have a great day. Join me tomorrow morning for a fabulous best of and an even more fabulous in conversation. You can listen to LBC if you download the LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show, leading Britain's conversation at 10. James O'Brien. But coming up next, Nick Ferrari at breakfast. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.